Hello and welcome to episode 335 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett on another glorious bank holiday Monday. Big Sam's return spelled a brief suspension of the 3pm blackout. Frank Lampard narrowly avoided the 007 tag. Liverpool continued to apply pressure to the top four. Jorginho showed Bruno levels at St. James's and De Gea continued to do all he can to earn a new contract at Manchester United. TK, how are we doing today? Excellent. Another bank holiday. Get used to this. And uh, coming off a win for both of us this time around. Pretty rare that yeah. we have that. Normally we can't both be happy on the same weekend. No, last time I had... And Jack would have been if he was on that. Yeah. I mean, extremely <laughs> rare that we're all, all three of us. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing with his bank holidays. I text him and he's like, oh, bank holiday, I should be back in business next week. And hmm, this is like Ertzel on an away day. Doesn't fancy showing up. Jack's throwing the bad back. Exactly. As again, I need to find a new source for news of the week because really, it's like... Depressing. You look Hippo eats seven-year-old disabled child, and then I'm supposed to take that as like, that hasn't actually happened. I was do something of, with it. Yeah, I was kind of merging a number of headlines there, but yeah, not quite uh, what we grew accustomed to. And there is just uh, so much going on. So, not sure how many people are tuning this week with an Arsenal win. I had Liverpool fans messaging me last week at what must have been about two hours into the podcast saying, do you speak about the Arsenal thing on here? It's like, we're going to get there. thought you'd probably prefer it about your own club, but obviously not. You had to earn the Arsenal content last week. Exactly. Um, so we'll speak about the win. We'll speak about Arsenal first. Uh, we did it last, last week. Oh, we'll speak we'll about first this order. week. Okay, yeah, I exactly. see. Um, we'll speak about Chelsea in a little bit, although something I would say is, as I said to you, their team looks a lot different before you're about to face it. <laughs> when I saw their starting lineup, it was like, Enzo's quite a good player. Badiweki, he's a tricky winger. I mean, uh, Thiago Silva at the back, doesn't look too bad. And then I think like 26 seconds in it was, we beat their press for the first time and it was like, <laughs> okay, there is a These reason are horrible. they are yeah. close to the relegation. I referenced the commentary from Gary Neville ahead of the Southampton game where he said, if Arteta could choose anyone to play tonight, it would be Southampton. In hindsight, Chelsea may actually have been the choice for if sure. he were to get to choose for again. Sure. The, the league for us can really be split, I think, in before the World Cup, our games were as close to boring as they can maybe be for us. We were more efficient. We conceded less goals. Far more like 2-0, 1-0. Just far less danger in our games. than after the World Cup for a neutral, our games have been fire. <laughs> probably yeah. Probably the most entertaining team in the league in terms of what's at stake and the games that we've been having. Whereas all Arsenal fans are like, I oh, don't want this to be the case. This Chelsea game was probably the closest I can remember to our kind of pre-World Cup games. Actually, the Fulham game was quite a good example of that as well. Very good. We played some really slick stuff. And I do think that after the Man City loss, after the form that had been going on in and around this game, us setting up in a far more pragmatic fashion, us kind of limping over the line with like a scruffy 1-0, I don't think would have done us any good going into Newcastle. I think it would have just been compartmentalised as well, you should probably have been doing better than that. Like there was games in 
this run in where you got the result, but the the grander picture, you did have some doubts. Like, there's something a bit. I mean, the win over Bournemouth was like it's a big win, but probably shouldn't have been doing that. Yeah, we didn't need to be doing that against Chelsea, and fortunately, uh, we didn't for the most part. Yeah, I mean it was it was easy work. There wasn't it wasn't difficult at all. Chelsea absolutely were the team you'd pick to play. They yeah. horrible. <laughs> the lack of intensity that they showed from the jump was scary. Really, you think Frank isn't a great manager, but he was supposed to get a tune out of these players to the, where the point they'd just at least be motivated. And they they all look on holiday. We were saying in uh, midweek, I think I was speaking to that if they sacked Tuchel like two games sooner Frank probably would have been sacked as well they would have done the Spurs and sacked the interim because ultimately he was brought in on the on the guys that mm. it we can't get relegated it can't get much worse we'll just get someone that the fans aren't going to turn on till the end of the season yep the whole of the Emirates was chanting super Frankie Lampard <laughs> the Chelsea fans at 2-0 up were doing the Poznan, which I mean, if you're talking about how fan bases and how that's waving the white flag at that point, I despise and I said this like their whole fan base's take of you know, uh, don't really care about just on the next season now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably really the first patch that a lot of these fans have seen where they have been genuinely awful because even the season when they finished what 10th. It didn't feel as bad as this. It was odd, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It didn't see the same sort of, um, I don't know, levels of like quit in them either. It was, it was really so odd. That was, who was that? Jose. And I can't think he would have finished off the season. It's bad this, isn't it? Well, I've been Di Matteo then. Is that, there wasn't no, the no, Champions no, no, League, no, no. so it goes into no. Conte. Not sure. Fuck, that's bad, isn't it? This is where... Uh, Jack's going to be listening <laughs> in, just tearing his hair up. Let's have a look. I don't know. Because in my mind, it was when it all went peak time for Conte, but that's not, is it? I think I'm getting the timeline wrong. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Jose. um, Because then Conte comes in and wins the league a year later. Yeah, 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 that makes more sense. All right, list of Chelsea managers. Apparently, a lot of the people that messaged me about this episode, everyone knew I was referring to David Coote. Except us, basically. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> so that shows, as a collective, we've got too much knowledge of referees. And pointy stuff face. We shouldn't yeah. know, yeah, of that reference. So pre... You barely know these guys' names anyway. Jose into Steve Holland into Goose Hiddink. Oh, goodness me. Goose Hiddink does 19th December 2015 to 30th of June 2016. If Goose can't sort it out, then you know you're in a bad, bad way. 37% win ratio. Peak times. But um, again, they, at that point, they had more confidence that, okay, the next year we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll sort it. you got Conte coming in, he's obviously got his reputation. Roman has got a track record of winning. So, whereas now they've got Bowley doing all sorts and the manager situation is still up in the air. Yeah, from, I'd say, the 5th to the 60th minute here because we still did our thing. Like, a 2-0 up at half-time. Was it 3-0 up at half-time? We're doing the thing where Chelsea have had us in this situation. They've not held up. Liverpool have had us in this situation. They've not held up. City, United, 
anyone, when they get us, when we're particularly bad, they don't say, we effectively declare, and then the other team just doesn't get the memo. And so they carry on trying, or we're saying, <laughs> we're trying to do you. It's in, in the NBA where, you know, there's the unspoken rule of, <laughs> at this end of the game, don't put any more points on the board. Yeah. And we're adhering to it, and just nobody else is. <laughs> We did make some changes going into this game. Jorginho comes in for party. Kivior comes in for Rob Holding. We'll speak about both changes. The control, which is the way I would describe the most part of this game, has to come from our high line and squeezing teams in. And there are some Arsenal fans that are just convinced now that if Kivior came in however many games ago, then you'd have been sound. We win the league. Yeah, that's pretty bold. Not sure it's that conclusive because I still, as much I would put most of the blame on holding probably after Arteta for the drop points. If I had to point at a single person, I'm not sure it is quite as easy. I think the issue was Kivior should have been giving games earlier on if that was what the plan was. Yeah, um, because after the wins against Leeds and the win against Crystal Palace you're effectively saying then to Rob Holding um, if we don't want you there give you all your first games at Anfield yeah, and then your the second games at the Etihad yeah so it's like pick the way around yeah I think I mean, actually I, I guess Anfield then Southampton so that was maybe the game to bring him in If but then I, I don't think we came out of the Anfield game saying Rob Holding was the issue there in fact Kivio comes on and then we can see yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't wasn't convincing, was it? So no, I, I think that's um, rewriting history for those Arsenal fans if they are doing that. It's no. Potentially clinging to hope, but also kind of torturing yourself a little well, I bit. Because I think there is some objective analysis that you can take. Our defensive line moves forward almost 10 metres from the Leeds game and the Palace games. City's an unfair comparison. That is <laughs> the main difference. And said last week that the overriding message I saw was we asked Rob Holding to be Saliba. When, if you're going to ask Rob Holding or Kivior to be Saliba, Kivior is far more equipped more to do that, that does it, yeah. than Rob Holding. I don't know, if, you, if we could have had a game where you go, right, this Holding's inability to play in a high line was glaringly shown up with a goal, or if he had like a horrible error, I would probably go along with it more, where you'd go, yeah, okay, he's basically unraveled this whole game for you. Whilst I think, obviously, you'd be significantly better off if Saliba had been playing, I didn't watch those games. If I knew no context of Arsenal prior to this and watched this game, I'd go, well, he's costing them. He's the reason, personally. I would look at maybe the second goal against Southampton, and it is just very a nice run from Theo Walcott in that Gabriel probably isn't in that position if we're squeezed higher up the pitch. That's the big thing is we allowed so many breaks against us when largely Southampton I think if we play our usual game are having to float it over the top to Walcott rather than allow him to get into the game in the way that he did it but, isn't great but again even in that one then like the midfield was just like yeah, where the hell sure. are you doing yeah. where Alcaraz is running in and, and being able to play that pass it was just it was too easy for Southampton wasn't it I think and if you I, want to say that who you'd have pinpoint if you had to go blaming names I'd look at someone like Party in that. Yeah. as well as as you said Arteta's fingerprints are over it as well yeah. I'd just say in those big games the way the midfielder went missing was glaring and I don't agree to this 100% there is definitely a sense that 
players played differently alongside him. I think I'm sure Gabriel is, yeah. vacated certain, uh, couldn't vacate spaces that he usually would because he needs to stay tighter in the middle. Um, the midfield didn't feel as safe collecting balls from the centre back. But as I've kind of, I have to apply the thing that is easy to apply in hindsight that I say with Cockland to Rob Holding in that you know what I can't ask you to do something that you can't do. If and again the the thing that the crazy thing is in the Southampton and the West Ham game, and you don't really want to do it because they're two guys who've had unbelievable years. But if Ramsdale doesn't get you off to that start against Southampton, yeah, yeah. I think you probably have a routine win. And if Saka scores that penalty against West Ham, it's three one, and I don't think West Ham come back at all. I just don't think they have a chance in that. No, there's, so there's you can't you can't go. All oh, right, you're season, you're the reason our season's falling apart. But no, no, both those individual mistakes. There's definitely if you can call them that then. A case win of the game, uh, people are far more comfortable putting the blame on Rob Holding than yeah. other people. It's, it's easy, isn't it? It's and that has that has happened before. Obviously, um, certain striker we used to have um, did take a large <laughs> brunt of that. But you can do this thing on Football Manager, and I know Wenger used to do it, where he'd sign players or he'd keep players on the basis of if such and such gets injured or leaves, then you'll play. You can basically make that promise, <laughs> and I do think Arteta has clearly done that with some people. I think. The frustration with some is if Rob Holding plays for the rest of the season and we don't see Kivior, then it's it's kind of a what if. What if this guy had come in and done it? I know why he doesn't want to play two left-footed centre-halves next to each other and that is the thing that he's not alone in that. The thinking is that it cuts off certain passing yeah. lanes, you're allowed to be pressed differently. But that first pass Kivior makes on his right-hand side, he plays a cross-field ball to the opposite fullback, and it's like yeah, you didn't tell us his right foot was like this. It is, um, it is odd that he's now played it. It does look a little bit like it's all a free hit for Arsenal, which it kind of is. But it's a weird message from the manager. To last be last season, we lost to Palace, Brighton, Southampton, and then he takes Lacazette out of the team and brings Eddie in, yes, and our form yeah. picks up. And so he does have a history of changing things too late. And I guess you would say you'd rather change things now than never, but. It is one where I think he's tough enough on everyone and himself in other circumstances to know that he will look at himself and yeah, yeah, say, I feel confident. Yeah, I, I could have made the change there. Because, as you said, the, la- the last thing really on this, I don't think it is as simple as he comes in, those games are different. I think we would establish our play differently and I think we would control games a lot better if we were still playing that high up the pitch because the goals against West Ham the goals against Southampton come that we're effectively surrendering control of the games even the games we're two up in it's still going like this back and forth in what that's what we're trying not to do and Southampton weren't really doing to anyone else at the time there's a weird with you though and this is where sort of the bottling tag becomes more applicable was that mentally it did look like the players were retreating times which partly was obviously a factor that you did early in Arteta's reign but obviously quite a very different team to what you've got now but it was just uh, oh we've got something to lose you could kind of see it yeah. whereas um, yeah whereas early in the season you didn't have that at no all. and there was a thing for most afterwards where Kivior I thought did look really good against Chelsea but then you come out of the game and it's like but it was Chelsea yeah I mean he he probably wouldn't have been able to believe what he's <laughs> day he had really will he because I think he plays two misplaced passes to start the game against Chelsea really 
Um, mm. Then the first completed pass is one with his right foot across the field. Um, and they weren't... One, I think, the first misplaced pass is Zinchenko's moved forward before, and that's just a matter of understanding. It didn't look like someone where... Maybe I'm speaking for myself here. If you asked me to go out in the garden right now and play a pass with my left foot, if you showed it to someone in the street, they would quite clearly say, that's your weak foot. And they, they might say that on my right foot. So well, they I might say, hopefully that's your weak foot. <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead too much. <laughs> but he didn't look like someone that was out of position. He didn't look like someone that was uncomfortable. You see a lot of tags very early. I saw someone say, you know, he, he kind of has, he looks like a Koscielny type of player. Um, and I think that's part of that is because he's skinnier centre-back basically next to a big Gabriel. But he looked like he was up for the task and he had had a tough time at Anfield. He'd had a tough time at Lisbon. And so really to swivel it around, I, I was very impressed and we've been fooled before. I never got in on the Pablo Mari hype and I do feel quite good about that. I, from, was there Pablo Mari hype? There was. There were also fans it? saying that Gabriel should be dropped and it should be Jesus. Mari in there with David Luiz. <laughs> Mari and David Luiz. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember seeing him going, mm. and then there was the thing of, you know, we've not lost a game with him and it was, let's have a look back through these let's games. Look at the pictures, yeah. <laughs> and it was Europa League, League Cup. <laughs> He looked a dud. I can at least with Mario. Oh, okay. This I can see what has been seen here. Competent passer. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some shifts from him at left back. Mm. Tall, physical. Looked everything that I think we want in a centre back. And profile was I can see how he could do Gabriel's role if really he's been brought to replace Gabriel in the team. Basically, when he's out or injured and. Boy, was he injured several times against uh, Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Did he just want some drama? Did he just want to spice things up? Was it getting too boring for him in this game? I couldn't believe the boos from the Chelsea fans. In their perspective, I would rather the clock runs down. Yeah, don't yeah, have this ball this in done. play. Um, it was the ironic thing as soon as I saw Kivior being brought in and a similar thing with Jorginho. I was like, it's weirdly in... I'll take his interest to partly for them not to play well because we're just going to be looking yeah. at but why didn't you do this in some of these other games then? Yeah, yeah I um, I text you and I, I saw the suggestion on Twitter of people saying like it would almost benefit Arteta here if he can have a bit of a howler like we win but he has a howler and he can, yeah. look, it wasn't that simple it yeah. wasn't going to be that easy and we'll speak about the Newcastle game uh, shortly but he had a pretty good game in, mm. in both games mm. um, certainly doesn't feel like uh maybe this in hindsight now the collective meltdown say the Man City game when Party was out and it was like how long is he going to be out for this is the biggest disaster in the world or when Jesus went down at Christmas like the league's gone <laughs> what are we going to do the league's gone now it's not going to be ideal because Gabriel is maybe our most important defender but it's at least there's going to be some comfort that it isn't just a complete dud going in there it's also just just about style fit, isn't it? Yeah. Whatever you might say about Rob Holding, however you much you like him or dislike him, is obviously just stylistically just totally different to someone like Saliba. Someone like, for example, someone like Gomez for us, you'd go, it's pretty clear he's probably not good enough if you want to go and win the big things, whatever. But profile-wise, he kind of fits what we want, at least yeah. if you're bringing him in as your, as your backup, whereas Holding's just a different type of player, isn't he? And. Um- in fairness to the club, it it's a tougher profile to fill. And so 
You are also still building. Yeah. Because this isn't supposed to be the end product. Well, no, so, so, so Rob Holding probably would have been in the next sort of, sounds harsh, but the next phase of players that are going to be slowly leaving and you're going to be bringing in, I don't know, a young centre-half who fits the profile a little bit more. Like yeah. Last year, you had to get rid of Lacazette, etc. And it's just waves, isn't it? Yeah, I spoke to Connor with two ends, Charmer, um, and he <laughs> sent, he sends me the stuff. And In fairness, I do think he's quite reasonable. He sends me the list of, you know, United looking to get rid of these eight players this summer. And I have to say, we both know you're not getting rid of all eight of those. That's just not how this works. Not for the 800 million or whatever no. that some fans think you're going to get. Um, so really, pick the four you want to get rid of first or more reasonably, pick the four someone else is going to want to take first. And if some of those have two years left on their deal, probably get around to the fact that they may still be here in two years. Arteta... I don't know if there really is a five-phase plan. I think he's been quoted as saying this is like phase three. So look, phase five could be could be splendid. I mean, uh, that, that is what you're going to say in his shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, there's a couple more phases. Yeah, yeah. On, more on the depth chart, as you say, holding, if he's not homegrown, he's probably not still here. Mm, That's yeah. probably a big part of it. That's the main reason we went for Ramsdale is that yeah, we yeah. were looking for a homegrown keeper. It's just, it's just worked out very well. I said last week that the fact that Eric Dyer isn't homegrown is just another thing on top. It's like, of course, so you're him, <laughs> just course. so him. The three years that which he's, means he's just there for his quality, yeah. obviously, <laughs> exactly. Um, pundit duties now for the Newcastle game. Uh, sorry, the, the Chelsea game. It made perfect sense. You had Fabregas there. You had Vieira there. I think Petit was there for another channel. Oh, God. Can you explain to me why William Gallas was there yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who was with him as well? Shea Given. Yeah, would it? Because Gallas and I, Given. I, I said... Uh, we've gone down the list there. The United game had started, but I'd gone to I'd gone to the shop to get a drink after that Newcastle game. <laughs> I came back and uh, I just wanted to see the interviews from Ramsdale. I, I like watching all of that if we've won. <laughs> And they were going the thing they always do. I've seen Man City's schedule now more than I've seen family members. Yeah, in, I feel like I've yeah. got really tattooed on me. And I hear Shea Given say, look, because excuse me for saying this, <laughs> it's not a Shea Given that they win all those games. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. That's and I was what? like, in the br- I was in the, on the like brink of changing over it. It was like <laughs> that, that gif of the guy going, turning like, Excuse me, <laughs> and look, no one else popped in in the oh, in the team. They all just kind of left it. That's like, devastating. Galas, he speaks better English than I do French. His English was not what I expected it to be. I agree. I was thinking that. I think I bet Sky thought the same. By the yeah. way, I was just I was thinking that's not an easy listen. With all your again, like you said, it's not not being critical. Um, just if you're on punditry duty. Yeah, on um, I mean it's an odd choice anyway. Yeah, I mean, like, even if you don't yeah. take to that in, it's still quite an odd choice. In uh, Licorice Pizza, when he tells her basically just to agree to whatever is asked of her in the casting auditions, <laughs> like do you speak French? Can you ride a motorbike? Can you <laughs> go surfing? And that was Gallus like English, perfect. Yep, yep. <laughs> fluent. You've been watching this season. Yep, yep. Every game religiously. Don't and worry, then- I've got you. 
I don't really need to hear him talking about leadership down the stretch of an Arsenal title race, to be honest. Such an elephant in the room, that. You're As he was probably sort of not around, People must have been looking at each other like, hang on a minute. And he was talking about it, about, you know, everyone has to say to you, I know you've won titles with Chelsea, mm. fair play, but... As we've uh, understood here, it's a different kettle of fish doing that with Arsenal. And really, the the way the title unfolded here was identical to 2008. 2008, it didn't get derailed because we lost five games in a row. We went a month where we drew every game. Yeah. And then lost to yeah. Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. So it couldn't be more identical if it tried. Unfortunately, I've maybe made too many 2008 comparisons about the style of football and how much I enjoyed watching the team. But yeah, it was just weird. Weird that he was there. Yeah. Yeah, really odd choice. And when I've been getting some old shirts printed and things, I found one back from when I was a medium, actually. So I was probably about eight. Um, and I got Galas printed on it. So I also found the 10 funny on there. That is hilarious. Seeing him in person... I forgot how much I disliked that man. (laughs) Like, out of sight, out of mind. Just the idea of him with the 10. I remembered him scoring against Chelsea. All of these things. Seeing him in person was like, you've actually just brought back some quite, not even uncomfortable feelings, just some quite aggressive feelings towards you being on screen. (laughs) Some post-traumatic stress came back. Yeah, let alone just hearing him talk about it. It was like, yeah, I mean, that's it. The subject matter also, you know, the fact that he's talking about leadership and basically everyone holding it together so you are the epitome of basically just torpedoing a title campaign with your behaviour and then as if people didn't hate him enough he went to Spurs afterwards yeah yeah good point did the uh, Adebayor tour Mm. Um, Sesk irritated a lot of Arsenal fans I have some objectivity and I'm a bit of a sucker for not the phrase I want to use there actually but um, I I'm, I've been a Sesk apologist. You're a sucker for Sesk. Exactly, that's what I was not saying. Um, he, when referring to Chelsea winning the Premier League, said, now what we did, some Arsenal fans lost their heads, saying, Sesk thinks he's an Arsenal legend, he's referring to Chelsea as we. You know, well, he was referring to the team yeah. that he played in. Played a pretty big role in that. But yeah, some... People have gone absolutely oh berserk there, and I was I was thinking after going that, to Chelsea is the offensive bit, not talking about yeah. And I, he was at I do Chelsea, think unfortunately, him going to Chelsea is pretty grim. But when the story has actually been explained by both him and Wenger, it's hard to hold it against him too much. In that he's literally campaigning with Barca. Have you spoken to Arsenal? And they're like, we have Wenger said that. He's got Ertzel and he's got Ramsey and he's got Wilshire and he doesn't think you're going to fit in, basically. and Stubborn stubborn guy, but... The Michael Owen. Yeah. Doesn't really matter how many times he tries to explain it. The fans aren't forgiven him. So maybe he's the example. I didn't know if there is actually anyone that you or perhaps your fans hold in the same way because it seems they've either gone to a club that you aren't really bothered about like Barcelona or they've been shit after moving, which helps... Exactly. Helps a bammy. Helps a lot of players. Mm. Yeah, much easier to forgive when they're shit. Because Owen is the only one I can really think of with Liverpool players really holding it against someone. Yeah. And again, this would have been the case if he was good. Torres would have had it at Chelsea. But because he shit the bed, it ended up just being like you just pitted him. Yeah. Just 
just felt sorry for him. And um, that's how Arsenal fans were with Aubameyang midweek. I mean, he was... He was being laughed at. Yeah, he was beyond disgraceful. Uh, the footballers don't try or they've mailed it in can be overused. He is the epitome <laughs> of it. It is outrageous. Well, he's done an interview today saying, like, yeah, of course I want to go back to Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, but he fucking does. I do think... We joked about it last week that if I'm Frank, I'm playing a Bamiang. I didn't actually expect him <laughs> to do it. That is incredible. Frank is sat back there going, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> I like the thought of like Todd, like, can you, obviously he's not played since November. His last Premier League game was against us. <laughs> can you explain it? And he's like, well, he used to play for him. <laughs> he's like, no, but he's not played. We've got this Yao Felix guy there. We, we've got Havertz. Can you... What? He's. I've read the script. Yeah. Tell you what, mate. You go on Arsenal Twitter and you see why he's playing. They're terrified. I've got a tenner on about me to score. For God's sake. <laughs> Did you see his quotes about Yao Felix before the game? Frank? Yeah. Just, no. He said, I think he needs to be clear about where he wants to play He's not sure himself. He's a number nine. The system that I play, famous <laughs> system, that he said, I need a number nine. He's not ready for Lampard ball. Which, he's played Felix and I think every other game until then. And that, he played six games in the Premier League. <laughs> Jesus. Clearly, he didn't value Aubameyang that much. And then, I keep going to say things and realising what things I've said before, which pundits don't usually do. I came on here probably about a year ago and said, we need to stop the false nine thing with Havertz. He's six foot four or whatever it is. He's good in the air. He's a nine. Whether he's a good nine or a bad nine is another question. Hmm. He's not a false nine. Hmm. Lampard's been playing Havertz, so he either agrees with me, which I'm not sure I want That's that. That's not the uh, yeah, badge of honour you need. Or he, which may be uh, more likely... He just has no fucking clue what he's talking about. <laughs> it just sounded good in the moment. He had to justify not playing Yao Felix. He's just freewheeling. He is not, yeah, there's not much thought going on. I just, I think there's some truth in that. I don't watch Havertz and I don't see him linking up a game like we've spoken about Jesus, Firmino, whoever. I don't see him doing the false nine stuff when he is playing as a false nine. It's weird. When he when he did have that sort of run towards there, like when they get to the Champions League final, he was doing a lot, lot more of that stuff. He was dropping in it and doing it. And I've pushed back on some of the stuff with him as nine because, he's, again, he's, what, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, but it's also a weedy fuck. Who, yeah. who, he's good in the air when he's got basically a free header, but he's not really going to go and bully anyone. He's not going to go win that many. And it just... I know body language can be unfair, but he doesn't look like he wants it. No. He looks... He sulks. And I think probably if... If given the chance, he'd probably want to be like a 10. I think he yeah. literally he'd want that front man and he can go and do his own thing. But Chelsea probably aren't going to afford him that luxury and they don't have a front man. So until then, you've got to do it. I don't know how much of the Bundesliga you watch or follow. Do you think they're going to have the same issue with Nkunku? Probably. <laughs> yeah. With their record as well, Chelsea. He, he at least looks a better finisher, but then so did Timo Werner. Yeah. I actually don't think Havertz is a bad finisher. I bet if you saw him do finishing drill in training I bet he's one of the best there yeah. and just actually getting into those chances like he he's really good at that chipped finish mm. the, the, 
every so often a player scores a goal and it makes it harder for you to kind of give up on them. And it sticks in my memory so well. That finish against Newcastle last season when they got battered all game, ball comes in in stoppage time, one touch, bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's brilliant and I love watching him before he joined Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we put the, the curse on him, didn't we? I think yeah. we said he's, he's basically a guarantee. He looked yeah. good. Um, Chelsea have got so many players like that, don't they? Where they give you just enough to go, oh, maybe they've got something here and the club just shits themselves and goes, oh, we won't get rid of him then. Yeah. A bit on the Newcastle game because we'll come back to speak about Chelsea. Mm. Did you think it was a penalty to start the game? Give you all. Yeah. And ball. I thought, anyone he's trying to pull his arm away, I thought that's probably enough for me for it not to be. But once they'd given it, I didn't think they'd overturn it. I never in a million years thought he'd I overturn saw, it. Might be a good thing, but I don't I mean, think that'll carry on being a I feel like somewhere. they change the rules every time we hear them talking about, well, obviously the rule is. Yeah. Um, even when they were saying, well, that touched his thigh first, so that means it's not a penalty. And when Neville is that convinced... He does the opposite of like DC in the UFC where he says it's locked in. Usually, if Neville is that convinced, I don't remember a time where they've really gone against him. It's mm. like they've got a copy of the feed. Yeah. But even still, and I don't think I'm alone in this, there would be Liverpool fans, there would be Chelsea fans, there would be whoever fans that think, well, obviously, to our club, this is going to be the time that it's not going to happen. And we've actually had one of those times where the ref goes to the monitor and then says, you know what? I'm taking a stand today. <laughs> it's my day today. It was against Leeds and we battered them anyway. But no, when he went over, I did think, okay, this go either two ways here. They could feel bad for themselves or it's just going to ramp things up even further. I get annoyed at people using the tag after the fact usually. Well, you know, it was their cup final. United fans did that to you after you beat them 7-0, which seemed rash to me yeah. <laughs> you won your cup final 7-0 you should yeah. be really ashamed of yourself but especially you know we've had no recent success compared to yeah. them obviously that was our cup final massive for us they were really rolled up like it was a cup final and I thought they were quite safe for top four I thought everyone's pretty in agreement the tight race was over I was surprised that Sky managed to build the hype they did in what a big game this is but it clearly worked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they, I mean, you're seeing the uh, the power of the Sky Machine because they really have been making a thing. I've been convinced, you know what, Arsenal's still right in this. <laughs> Hang on, we were right. We literally wrote them off after the City game. Yeah. Sky are just doing such a, a PR job. We wrote them off after the Southampton game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that, that start at St. James' Park was always going to come. This game's yeah. been circled in for so long. Um and you're always going to have to weather that storm and, and probably at other points ride your luck and you kind of did both of those things. And there was the big thing, you know, up in last season and yeah, really I, I do think the top four were pretty done after Spurs. We got battered in that game, felt down on ourselves because of the refereeing decisions and we had half a side. <laughs> um, I won't say we had a centre-back in that um, Newcastle game. But the atmosphere then, I remember that when they had nothing to play for, the owners had obviously just come in and they got they were red hot when they beat Spurs, weren't they? Willock scored in that game. Yeah. I might even have been the season before. Um but I remember it. And then night game, they love their flags up there at St. James's. <laughs> they get them out, they have the scarves out. And it was very, very uh 
white hot in there. And I think 50 seconds in, and I go back to the Chelsea game we always refer to when we say about Arsenal playing well, and then you look at it, and it was like seven minutes, and then Chelsea are one up. <laughs> Neville said Arsenal have started well here, and I looked, and it was like 50 seconds on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was in the middle of trying to get a request to bet on, and I was going to do Zinchenko booking Jacob Murphy to score because it just felt like Blimey. that's obviously happening Jeez. here. I've criticised him too much, and I regret... I mean, I must have had every other bet on in the United-Arsenal game that I didn't have Lissandro to score, Ouch. which felt so obvious. Ouch. And so this felt obvious here. He hits the post first time in, do you have the Zinchenko conversation? We'll say the Zinchenko conversation, but I was shocked how much time Jacob Murphy had in the box. And then hitting the post, the penalty after that, it was like the crank on us was just squeezing in. And I actually didn't think, in comparison to some games where we've clearly played panicked, I actually didn't think we looked too panicked. I thought we kind of got on we're trying to do our job we're still trying to play out from the back at the point when the penalty occurs it's Sinchenko playing it's a Gabriel with his back to the player I thought we dealt with it about as well as I could have hoped for us to deal with it when you think of what happened to Newcastle uh, to Tottenham there when you think of what happened to uh, United there this season City were down 2-0 there did pretty well considering. Yeah, I thought the only signs you had was occasionally you kind of played yourselves into trouble. Sometimes you, you'd you give the ball back to the centre half or back to Ramsdale. Yeah. And it's like, he gave you the ball, he did not want it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there were a couple of times with that and with the fans as they were, kind of encourages the press even more from them, doesn't it? If, if you're a, flair, a player, you probably feel energised by the fans being on top and you're going to go, right, I'm going to get at whoever's on the board. Also thought you only had a couple of instances where you saw give yours a left foot centre half playing on the right. I thought you didn't have any in the Chelsea game, but frankly he didn't have anything to do. <laughs> but there were a couple of times where it looked, oh he's really had to force himself onto his left here. And in a different game maybe that might be a problem, but you're really looking for you're nitpicking him at that point. Yeah. Other than that, like you said, I thought the the, the match was it was just a really open game from the yeah. jump. It was I don't wonder how good defensively Newcastle have been most of this season. It was just, it looked like two teams going, right, we're going to go at each other, which well, from a neutral point of view was fun. Well, well, they tried a full team press on us mm. and I think that was the right thing to do against us. I don't think you can give us too much respect, but you also do risk being cut apart and they then bank on their defence to do the job and I thought several of their defenders had a good game. Several of them were horrendous and it, it really could have been rough. I think with passing out from the back, there is a fine balance because I think for the first 15 which was the thing that was really driven home by Sky if we do just clear our lines every time and invite them on then they can yeah, just they can just squeeze us in and that does look panicked at that point because you're going against what you normally do yeah and you're just giving them the ball back too much and that's where it helped having Jorginho in there because yeah, whatever else you might say point. about him he's perfect for that sort of uh, it sounds weird to say keeping it calm because when you look at his general behaviour he's like he's, he looks the anything but calm in terms of his facial reactions and how he's shouting at people but actually on the ball and in terms of his organisation he's absolutely perfect for those sort of occasions before I forget did you see the clip of Shearer battering Dermot Gallagher 
No. He's on that Premier League TV, which must be a foreign broadcast. Okay. He does with the end, right? And it's at half time in the game and they're talking about the penalty. And he's saying, did you see it? touch his knee definitely because I didn't see it and Dermot Gallagher's going well I think when you look at the replays and he's going can you conclusively tell me it touched his knee because I didn't see it and Dermot's trying to talk and he's going are you telling me your eyesight's better than mine because it must be if you can see and if it's taken if it's if it's taken seven replays it's not clear and obvious is it <laughs> sure is taking it well and just appealing for a wrong decision to be allowed because it took however I don't know how it took so many replays to be honest as soon as we saw the one thing of his shorts moving it was like well it's obviously touched his knee well, a long first um, and that's when that's when you start to get worried but Jorginho was brought in for the Chelsea game as well I think we asked Xhaka to play slightly deeper which meant the running he had to get through was insane he was like a madman in both these games Shaka, but in a controlled way that the block of friends and not be controlled in this Newcastle yeah. game before he got saved a couple of times with a couple of his mates the block he has on Willock in this game is mm. outrageous and it gives a great interview post Chelsea I don't know if you stuck around uh, for any of that but he was he was speaking then and uh Hasselbank, who was unbearable, to be honest. Have some respect for Jimmy Floyd. He's terrible as a pundit. <laughs> terrible. I think he's worse than Neville. Wow. Did he win any titles at Chelsea? Uh, no, he would have gone just yeah. before. Wouldn't and he's preaching to Patrick Vieira about how you win a title. <laughs> he was saying, oh, you know, you've, you've done really well. You've calmed down completely. You've taken this out of your game. And Patrick Vieira was saying to him, I don't think that's how you should play your game. I think it's about controlling hmm. your emotions, yeah, yeah. but you're not the same Granite Jacket if you don't channel that. And he spoke about meeting with Arteta and Arteta trying to tell him that I don't want you to be this level-headed, no. clean player. It's just about doing it in the right situations. And you then see the Newcastle game. I, I saw something, I said we'll speak about Zinchenko. I saw a tweet that said, Xhaka and Jesus have an amazing ability to play angry. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Zinchenko can't get it right. Yeah. He's either super casual or overly pumped. Too, yeah, too emotional. Because Xhaka seemed, in every moment where it was like, is he going to lose his cool? And I do think every time it is ramped up by Sky, Gary Neville has come too far on can't his Xhaka thing no. that he can't. No, so no. he's like, oh, and... You know, if Newcastle had scored, it may well have been Xhaka got the crowd going. Yeah, 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 true. But he he did pull it back. I thought he was also winding them up just as much. Callum Wilson looked as wound up as yeah, I've seen him in some much. time. They were rattled by, you know, your time wasting stuff early on, <laughs> yeah. which was, you know, a, a huge dose of irony. But it was also, can't believe how sort of easily they were duped by it already. No, Eddie Howe spoke about it after the game. The players were obviously getting on it. What's the name of their assistant manager at Newcastle? But he, he is such a prick. <laughs> you see him every single game and someone spoke about him. I, there was a manager this season that spoke about it. It may have been Spurs. There was a manager that basically spoke about we told the referees to keep an eye on because... Basically, how feeds into his ear, and he just lets this bloke run yes, riot, which yeah. is how you're supposed to do it. To be fair, mm. 
Um, I'll check his name because it, it will ring a bell, but Xhaka was really good at that the whole game. Jorginho comes in. They both play slightly deeper as Xhaka's having to go up and down. And I saw the word director more yesterday than I do outside of a Thursday night podcast. <laughs> and I can see why I can't say I've seen much of him. We from, as soon as the summer window uh, soon, were really closed, actually, we were linked with uh, Martin Zubamendi at um, Sociedad. Mm. And you look at the way Arteta speaks about Rodri and Jorginho. I can see why he wanted Jorginho. And I can see why this Zubamendi, I think he's looking for his Rodri. I don't think Xhaka, I don't think party is what he wants in a six. I think he's very good in the system he's devised. I don't think Arteta spoke about this system isn't going to be the end game or whatever. And I know you have to evolve constantly. So I do think maybe it'll be closer to what you see at Man City. I will say it's, it's a wonder Pep is as good as he is because in the last week I've seen David Silva transitioning to play deeper attributed to Arteta. Sterling and Jesus as wingers being attributed to Arteta. Sané as well. I've Pep's, seen, a, Pep's a fraud. I've seen Laporte and his ability to go wide be attributed to Arteta. Arteta made him Spanish. <laughs> Converted so, him from being French. It's very... I mean, Pep's... His days are numbered, really. <laughs> He's actually, he's taken, he's found like the notebook in Elf where they, the uh, author leaves his notebook behind. Miles Finch. <laughs> this is what's happened. Arteta's has left a notebook at the Etihad. I love when... And Pep is ahead of the game. I love when the assistant manager starts getting so much credit <laughs> that he's actually getting all the credit. The only time it might have been applicable actually might have been with Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> and it's like his assistant manager might have actually been doing then the job. He's, he's struggling now in uh, Scotland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they were the perfect marriage and he needs to get back together. The way um, Liverpool fans gasped up Pep Linders until it all went wrong. <laughs> it was like, this bastard's ruining our season. Well, as I said in the article I did, like everybody said the wheels were going to fall off when that Buvat left yeah. us. Like the brain or whatever he was called. It was like, we didn't win anything prior to him. <laughs> and now once he left, we started winning things. So what, is it all because he left? Is Always he forget. crap? I don't know. He was the one, wasn't he, that was linked with taking over from Wenger? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Stock was so high as an assistant, people were linking him with a job that uh, should never have been linked with. And instead, we had Arteta, who is then called Pep's Cone Man for. But at least with Arteta, you had a level of link with the club yeah, as yeah. well. The Bivat was just so left field. Yeah, I thought it was interesting listening to Arteta afterwards. He said it was difficult because we knew it would be a physical game, and I think that was everyone's thought when they saw Jorginho in the team pre-game hmm. was that midfield against him. Yes, this can't be good. He said it was difficult because we knew it would be a physical game, but if. <laughs> If we try to beat them on physicality, it's not going to work. So we had to go a different way. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I would also go, there were probably opportunities to do this prior to this game as well, Miguel, that for some reason you took the opposite tack. Uh, I was going to ask. I just don't know why he didn't get a game in some of these. I was going to ask later on if, if you had to, on one side or the other, put it was a bigger mistake not to have Jorginho coming with Fabio Vieira at Southampton or Rob Holden to play at Man City <laughs> where I, would you I do think the Jorginho one I do think the midfield was the, the be all and end all for you we'll say 
that Southampton midfield isn't particularly physical and outside of Lavia, who we expected party to deal with, but didn't this game, I think if you'd asked 10 Arsenal fans to do their preferred lineup, I don't think Jorginho would have been in eight of them. Really? I think most would have said we need parties, power and all of that, regardless of his recent form, Hmm. against Newcastle because I think naturally you would say they're going to try and overpower us we need to find a way to counter that and it turns out we did counter it just in a completely different way he was ridiculous yesterday and Hmm. I always find myself questioning if we say someone was never this good or were they ever this good and it's were we just not watching them but I feel like we were watching Jorginho at Chelsea the unfortunate thing he's got is his own fan base weren't backing him up. No. Chelsea fans were the number one haters of Jorginho. So it's very difficult to make the case that he's been good this whole time when the people who are watching him week in, week out are saying, look, he's not shit. But after one game with us, hmm. I remember collecting everyone's like, Much he actually might be quite good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know he's a better fit with Arsenal anyway, just star-wise, but also you've got a better attacking players. So some of his limitations don't get exposed quite as much at Chelsea where they don't have much creativity and then you've got him being a bit pedestrian in these games. It just sort of compounds each other, doesn't it? I actually don't really know what I mean by this, but he feels more of an Arsenal midfielder than a Chelsea midfielder. Mm. We, yeah. Outside of Vieira and any semi-muscular midfielder we've had ever since that can be have powerful tagged onto them has been called the new Vieira. Diaby yeah. still closest. Yes. We haven't really gone for those midfielders and Arteta was asked in the week about if we need to be more physical and he said, well, look at Barcelona and Xavi and Iniesta and look at Modric and, <laughs> this and they do kind of ignore that Busquets or Mascherano, whoever's in behind them. I do get the point. He said, basically, if you're good enough Jorginho in that position it is very strange because even Rodri he's a big guy yeah 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 the ability to do what he did yesterday I didn't even consider that we were beating them yesterday and maybe that's just what the last month or so has done to me yeah I think so but because actually aged poorly with the results that came after I was watching Newcastle against Villa and it was before Villa had uh, torn them apart really and I said to the lad I was with we can deal with these (laughs) and because the whole thing was Arsenal have to get a result at Newcastle and draw a city yeah 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 didn't go well from there (laughs) but that was that was the thing yes Um, I said we could do these there's enough space in there that we can do these with the guys that we've got and then just as time went on they then put what six and five in in consecutive weeks and look just on another level, they look like they've gone up a gear. I didn't think we would do that. And Jorginho yesterday, most touches, assists, completed passes, passes received from back line, which I, isn't usually a stat, but seems to make sense in this game. Uh, possession one, clearances. He won possession back eight times yesterday. Nice. He just was very good. He was the perfect kind of antithesis for their midfield. And I do think we've got a section on Newcastle, so I'll ask you about their creativity. 
they didn't have anyone that was capable of getting on the ball and doing what he did. No, no, they. I guess they would have hoped that Bruno. Uh, yeah, and he was didn't. Do that. So. He didn't have his best game, did he? No, the, the thing about this was, and I kind of understand it because of the last few games with their form and with your form, but it was, as you say, just over a month or so ago. This was penciled in. It's kind of being treated as. It went from this is going to be a really difficult game to Arsenal to kind of a well Arsenal aren't going to be able to win yeah, that. You yeah. know, well, hang on a minute. I mean, Newcastle are a good team, but Arsenal have been better all season. So as much as this is going to be a really hard game, and if it was all still in your hands, I do think this would be a slightly different game. Yeah, I think we'd have seen more nerves from you. I think I wouldn't say capitulation, but I think that start from Newcastle probably would have been unbearable. I think they probably at least score because and we don't know what would have happened if they do score. By the way, <laughs> yeah, and if they do score, it probably all gets on top, doesn't it? Um, but that not being said, it, it did, yeah, it went from being a really difficult game away at St. James's Park to almost unwinnable for us, which I thought that's a bit, you're rewriting what's happened this season a little bit there. Yeah, and obviously him being in there and then Erdegaard being in there as well. Erdegaard made it 15 Premier League goals against Newcastle. Did you think he had this in the locker? The goals? Yeah. Yeah, pr- probably not. I probably would have had a few less. He's obviously got it in the locker in yeah, terms yeah. of the skills. I mean, I, the finish, I feel like I've seen it a hundred times, not 15 times yeah. this year. It seems the same sort of finish. Um, can't underestimate as well what a sort of dagger I think that was for Newcastle. Because it, it was a very tough time for us. Yes, exactly. And it, you're right under the caution. You could almost you could almost feel some of the atmosphere go out of the game. Now they get it back because they do then start yeah. coming back on top again. But just for that period of time, you needed that respite. Um, and let's face it, you kind of sat on that for a little while. Some of the stuff with the taking a little too well for the, yeah. the goal kicks, the free kicks where I thought both teams at times were going down pretty easy because the ref was biting on everything. <sighs> the, I thought every time you did, you took the sting out of the game just that bit more. And I've said it about the Anfield crowd, but St. James's Park crowd bit at everyone as well. Every time they bit. Um, <laughs> And there's a fine line between being pumped and up for it and just getting frustrated. And they crossed that pretty The quickly, goal even came from... And it was uh, to their own detriment. They yeah. got frustrated to their own detriment. The goal came from Jorginho recycling possession. We have a pretty poor free kick. They head straight out. Ball comes to Saka. He gives it to Jorginho, who fakes like he's asking Saka to move in, clears some more space for Odegaard. And I can't underestimate how long it's been for us to just have someone that will just hit it. <laughs> and he literally... Space is there. He takes one touch to get it out of his feet and just bangs it. Mm. And as you say, it's pretty identical to the goal he scored against uh, Tottenham, or that looked a bit cleaner because we'd got it from a fast break. It's one where you instinctively go, could the keeper have saved that? I think it nutmegs Botman on the way, which probably doesn't make it any easier for Nick Pope. I, I didn't even really consider if the It's just so could. quick out of his feet. And yeah. I remember coming on here and saying... This wouldn't be a game that would be memorable for you. I couldn't even tell you it was against. He scored a goal away in the Europa League. You, you may remember the finish. It's one of the fastest shots I've ever seen anyone hit. It's just a pinger out of his feet and he goes straight in the top bins. And he just never struck a ball again <laughs> for God knows how long. And he scored the one against Spurs, which he kind of sweeps across the keeper um, when it's pulled across the box, which is pretty identical. The finish for the first goal against Chelsea is a joke. Yeah, yeah. Outrageous. Helps that Kepa's got tiny arms, but usually you hit it first time and you kind of sweep it across the keeper. This is one that he's actually hit it with some venom. And I know partway through the season, he he spoke about how Arteta had just told him to shoot more because ultimately 
when we now play with this system that has five players, ultimately there'll be one in the box. Arsenal, outside of Bayern Munich, I think it is, get the most players in the box when a shot is taken compared to any other team. We average five to seven players in the in the penalty in in the box, sorry, when a shot's taken. And so if Erdegaard is going to shoot, it, all it takes is to keep it to parry it, and we've got all these players around there to follow it in. The game against Brighton last season where we lose a left early, very rare time, Erdegaard scores from range and gives us a hope. This this season, when we were down and out against Fulham with five minutes left, he scores the one, which is bad goalkeeping, Burn Leno, but he takes the shot and it goes in. And he just got more and more confident. There was a patch around Christmas where he goes into the World Cup as our top goal scorer. He scores, I think, two against Wolves. Um, and then he's, he's got five in his last five now. Yeah. And bad. they aren't ones where you look at them and say they're going to dry up because they're very kind of fortunate. These are ones where now we're actually crafting plays to get the best out of his shooting, which I wouldn't have expected 18 months ago. No. As you say, that's good coaching because I think he's obviously got the technical ability to do this, but I don't know if he instinctively wants goals. I mean, he's instinctively a creator and if I get goals, great. And now if he can sort of balance both. But it's something like we've seen in boxing, we've seen in MMA where People are confident, uh, competent to say that they're happy to kind of outjab people, they're happy to wrestle people until they get that knockout and then they actually quite like the feeling of this. Yes, yeah. And I have to imagine with every goal he scores and certainly the go- the goals where St. James's, Tottenham ground, Old Trafford he's scored at, I have to think with each one of those that you score, you then go, oh, I actually want a bit more of that. And yeah, yeah, for sure. If he needed to beat the away day allegations, which I still think are unfairly kind of put on his door, he now has 12 goals and assists away from home. The only players that have more are Haaland and Kane, and they have 13. Not bad going. So he, he just for a while got in that Urzel bag where he just refused to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it comes naturally to him. But well, he, he also- the more they go in, the more he's going to think, I'm going to look up another pinger. He seems to be slightly better now. There was times, and I remember you speaking about it on here, he was criminally one-footed. And he would refuse to do anything without shifting it onto his stronger foot. And now, at least, he does seem to have more confidence. Because if you are as technical as he is, your weak foot is better than 90% of people's (laughs) weak foot. You just have to believe in it. Ramsdale got his 10th away clean sheet of the season. Particularly great save from Shah. We now have five more clean sheets away from home than any other side in the league. It's just at home when we turn into bozos. Yeah, mad. Ten of his 13 clean sheets in the league this season have been away from home. Bizarre, isn't it? Really bizarre. We just give away these stupid... A lot of people say that clip from the documentary where we conceded against Villa was him acting for the cameras when, from all I've seen of his personality, that seems pretty... On brand, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's very strange but people love uh, sharing that one saying uh, saying about it Zinchenko and Tierney so Tierney I thought looked really great when he came on and I, I don't want to give Arteta too much credit for doing the obvious but against Liverpool he took too long to make that change yep. here he did it and it paid off I think with Zinchenko we can maybe apply a similar conversation but in a different way to what we had with 
Trent, where you've been saying all season, he's not going to be the best defender, but he's a better defender than he's showing at mm. this time. Yeah. Sinchenko, the last five games... He's better than this, Jesus. ...has been horrendous. Because earlier this season, we're having the conversations of this guy defensively, he may be a weaker point, but he's not a weak point. He's good enough, yeah. Aerially, he wins like over 75% of his headers. The game we had against... It might have been Newcastle at home, actually. We were coming on here and saying about the duels that he was winning in his position. He just seems to... I don't know if he's doing the thing we criticised earlier in the season where he's trying to do too much. He's trying to take too much responsibility. When it does get on top of him, it does seem to really get on top as well. Not not to the same extent of Trent, but that sort of thing where you can kind of visibly see he knows if he was at fault for something... And then the next one, yeah, yeah, like I said, whether it's trying too hard or what, he's then going to be at fault again. He does win one aerial duel on this. I remember thinking this was, that was a big win. They were, it was almost like the counter-attack was on and he was an aerial duel. I can't remember who it was against. Yeah. Someone who he shouldn't have beaten. I don't think about it. He's got something out of this game, if nothing else. <laughs> the rest, he was, yeah, like you said, he looked really vulnerable the at point times. When he got sat down by Jacob Murphy, I was like, yeah. Vince Carter, it's over. Get this guy off. And bear now. in mind, obviously, with the first half, and it just looked like they could get him every time. Arteta might have a decision to make here. And he might have to hook him early yeah. or move him or whatever because you're just watching it. The tough, so look, porous down that side. The tough thing is, if we are doing the thing where we're trying to take the sting out of the game, Tierney's like the worst for it. Yeah. Because yeah. it might be unfair, but if you were making your Brexit ball 11, Tierney might be a left back. <laughs> <laughs> he he's tried to do that kind of inverted role. I think it's a, not unfair to ask it of him, but it's unfair to ask him to do it halfway through a season. Looked he, uncomfortable. He it? looks like he just thinks. Well, he sees Zinchenko, and it's him popping up in like right central midfield. And the, how do you coach Tierney to do that? Yeah. Because all he does is just think I can be anywhere on this pitch, and I've got cover behind me. Yeah, yeah. Look, he's, Tierney's a left back. You know, what I mean, he, left backs haven't had to do that tradition. If you. The best left-back we've probably seen in this country is Ashley Cole. Ask him to go do the Zinchenko role and he's going to be going, what? And the issue is that um, I spoke to my uncle about is he's not as good of an outright defender as some on commentary would have you believe. Tini isn't someone you bring on and he's a lockdown defender. No, but it's because... I think we had the conversation yeah, we before did, the point. Yeah. If, if you didn't have Zinchenko, we'd have been saying he was a good attacking yeah, fullback. Yeah. But because you've got Zinchenko now, Tini is viewed as the defensive sort of stall and that isn't really what he was. He's just a different attacking fullback. He is very much get to the byline, play yeah. an overlap and get if, across across, which he's really good at, but it's not what you're doing so much now. And if we were going to talk about the occasion over or in Zinchenko, these kind of games are actually the perfect ones for Tierney where the second he gets clattered by someone early doors and he loved it. And Troy texts me and he was like, that's the best thing that could have happened to him because yeah. now he's just up for the fight. Yeah. And, and he's playing for that Newcastle move. Well, I'm going to ask you about that in just a second. But yeah, he he looked as good as he's been in recent weeks because the question is, well, would you drop Zinchenko? And then Tierney's form has been abysmal. So it's yeah. like, it doesn't make sense to bring him in. But the interesting thing, with he's probably become a little bit, I hate saying underrated because is anyone underrated now, but a little bit, yeah. and especially probably by Arsenal fans who've, particularly the first half of the season, grown to love Zinchenko. Tierney hasn't looked quite the same. No. And so the expectations are very low. And then when he comes in and does well, 
it's almost like a oh this guy actually is still quite I, good I text Troy after the game and said like I, I fell in love with Tierney all over again <laughs> yeah. with that that little what do you play like half an hour he just looked he's smashing into people but he's doing it in he's not giving away stupid free kicks he's just up for a physical battle which is what I thought Newcastle for all the thing of you know we play Jorginho to make it a less physical game I don't think there was ever a sense that they could have really felt like they were bullying us they were smashing us all over the pitch I thought we stood up to it very well Um, and that's where people that think it's as simple as you know we get Xhaka out of this team the team goes up a level whatever you need someone like Xhaka in there his interview after the St. James's uh, part loss last season was as good as I've seen from an Arsenal player for all Gary Neville slacked him off. Yeah. And he was under surveillance this game. If he came in, dropped a stinker, people would have said, you know, if you're not up for the fight, stay at home. He came in and he he, he was up for the fight. Tini was up for the fight. I think I don't doubt Zinchenko was up for the fight. And I don't doubt this isn't a question for me now where... I look to next season and I say, well, we need a new left back because Zinchenko has been found out. We're going to, this is what we're going to do. When we control games, Zinchenko is the man. It just, for 20% of the games, we might need Tierney or an alternative left back to come in. If you were Arteta, this may be the easiest question of the lot. Would you keep Tierney? If you just have this quite simple choice, he stays, he goes. We're not talking fees, whatever. Does Tierney stay? And he's not like pushing for a move, no. desperate to leave or anything. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd keep him. I, I do actually think as a as a backup option, he's great because if it wasn't for his injury record, I'd be insistent, you've got to be a first-team player somewhere. But because of that, I think he, he's kind of perfect. You can go, I'll bring him in here and there. Like I said, Zinchenko is going to be good for three quarters of the games. It's just a case of when I need something different. And I think he's perfect for that I don't if you do get rid of him I don't see if you're getting a backup left back you're going to get someone better than I agree you might get someone who's more available because his injury record isn't good but that also might end up that person ends up being unhappy at being your backup left back it's certainly not he goes we say we'll keep you now Tavares (laughs) yeah yeah Christ I don't know if this is going to be disrespectful can we find at least someone on the level of Simicas? I was as... thinking that's the comp. Um, I I would assume he will end up pushing for a move this he, summer. Like, that's that's all the journals have said. The, he's leaving this summer. That would be the comp I would make with with us. We're not getting someone better as a backup no. than him, and I think him and Tierney are probably comparable. But again, Simicas doesn't have the injury record that Tierney does, so I can see why he will feel I should be going out and playing first team football somewhere. But and as much as he won't comprehend it this way fitness wise it's been Tierney's best season the issue is I think Zinchenko missed... I don't think that's any coincidence though that no no exactly you, you that's why I said I don't think game. he'll see that no no but you're probably right we had games where Zinchenko was out Tierney was out as well yeah and it's like of course you did you've yeah. got to I think Tierney's Arsenal career ultimately was done as a starter last season when he didn't tell the club that he was injured and then the season for the second year in a row went down with his injury Right. He had the injury of Scotland that Scotland say they were well aware of where this could happen again at any time. He comes back to Arsenal, keeps it quiet, and then we find out in the documentary he twists his knee getting out of the shower and he's <laughs> out for the season. 
Christ. It's just the most tiny thing. Because he'd done it on Scotland duty. And yeah. rather than rest it up, he just wanted to play games. We had a place for him in the side at the time. Oh, God. Maybe if he hadn't been battling Tavares in the early stage of the season, he might have been confident enough to say, I can take some time out. I can get back to it. But he doesn't. I remember the Euros, it would have been, we went for the uh, Scotland game, actually. We went for breakfast in the morning. We don't talk about that game. No, but the news broke with uh, Fabrizio on that morning that Tini was signing a new deal and all the mention was he's going to be the next Arsenal captain. Yes, yeah, yeah. Time flies. Yeah, yeah, it really does. When Odegaard was named captain, I was like, oh, well, a bit surprised. Assume that I was going to be Tierney and then you'd see the evolution of the side. Um, how much can we get for Tierney? 25 to 30? 30 is the tag I've seen. Yeah. Which, if you keep him fit, is a really good player for that money. But that's he's not going to stay fit. Yeah, so that's I, fa- think, I think that's baked into the price. I think that's only like it's less than ten million profit. I'd, would would you let him go to Newcastle? That's a good point. Um, Villa are in for him as well. I don't know how many left backs Villa need, <laughs> but that's Dinia Moreno and now Tierney. <laughs> Emery was the one that signed him as well. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, I prefer to send him to Villa if I was in your shoes, but if you're not going to... Um, if you don't have a say... I don't know that he's a player that you're going to look at and go, oh, God, it's come back to haunt us. He's taken Newcastle to another level. I think he'll be a really good player for Newcastle, but, again, all the fitness concerns will still be there. And it'd be a bit of an odd move for them in that regard, I'd say, because he's obviously better than what they've got, but also for a club that does have the money they've got, I'd potentially look at spending that money on someone who I I know I will get X amount of games out of. I think yeah. you might out of Tierney. But well, I th- their think games even more intense than ours. Things. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if he's a starter, I do think those injuries are going to start yeah. racking back up again. I and think we can kind of kid ourselves this year that maybe they're behind him yeah. because he hasn't had to start as many games. But as you said, even as a backup, he's been out of times. Yeah. So. And Newcastle are going to be shocked when we say we're charging you a premium. For him, yeah. yeah. So, look, if we what get, have we got to pay out the nose. What's going on? If we get thirty from Newcastle, I'd be disappointed. If we got thirty from Villa, I'd be happy. Yeah, fair enough. But it's it's an interesting one. I said to Troy, I think the difference is there's some players, and you spoke about Trossard last week and how happy we can keep him as a rotation player. A big thing for some, and I think this comes into the Smith Rowe conversation, who I don't expect to leave, but look, maybe there's something going on that we don't know about. Yeah, the don't fact. Know that we're now in the Champions League, I think for a lot of players, it'll be, well, I've waited to play in here. So I'll at least least have my season there and then we'll assess things afterwards. Tierney's played in the Champions League. Tierney's beaten Barcelona in the Champions League. Don't forget, yeah. Yeah. Last leg of my echo that was on that day. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness me. Um... Yeah, it, it could. It's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought about that when I thought about potential outgoings. That that, that is probably true, because other than that, I've been saying Smith Rowe. I think both the club and he might be looking to go separate ways. I, I just think Arteta doesn't trust him now. That's the only thing I can think. Whether it's a physical thing or his injuries or what, 
the fact that he just will not put him on, that, I find that, really that odd. strange to me. That is very strange. And the only thing I can kind of say is that some news broke, and I, I don't know look, these things. I take with a pinch of salt. Me and Troy both said, I'm not sure I quite believe that. The rumblings were that, and this is where the David Silver thing came into it, that he's basically, he's training every day, and you're not playing as a winger for me anymore. You're training. You're going to be the guy. If Granit Xhaka doesn't play, you play in here. Okay. For me, it makes far more sense he plays where Odegaard is, but not my. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. The guy, I'm not the guy training him. I also think, how much money are you going to get for him when he's not proven his fitness since coming oh, you, back? You won't get much for him now. And so stocks are lowest it's been since he broke into yeah. the team. And I kind of think, in that case how much is his price really going to go down? I think there's a certain bench value for him and say it's 25 million with the injuries. I don't see that an extra season tanks that to 10 million. I think people have seen enough. What He's had really a whole season in the league and he got over 10 Premier League goals, which is nothing to sniff at in a terrible team as well. Short memories, isn't it? And, and I think not to sound very uh, punditry cliche, you can't really teach what he has in terms of finding the ball on the edge of the area in the right positions. Oh yeah, I mean... And so I I do think, I'd be surprised if we gave up on him, but... The the thing, yeah, it's certainly not me questioning his quality, it's just the the refusal to play him. Yeah, it's strange. I find it's glaring, and if I was a club looking to sign him, I'd go, well why aren't they giving him any minutes? I find that is there- that would consume if you say some patchy injury record this year and then I think just never plays him. If I was a club winning, oh, can you part with £30 million pounds to sign him? I'd be going, there's too many red flags here. I, I would need another season to go, okay, at least he's is there he's any- not physically crocked. He's still at it. Is there anything in that he may have to prove again that he can be trusted and we haven't had the opportunity to prove that the fact that he was injured for all the Europa League minutes well we weren't in the League Cup we weren't in the FA Cup and you're not just going to throw him into a game he, in a title he, race he them. came back for that one game in the FA Cup and then got injured again mm-hmm. but you can look at anyone that's had this injury it's not a you're fit now you come back in it's gradually it's literally had it's surgery on his hips I'd also suggest He's probably someone who needs more time coming back. If I was having a guess, I, I wouldn't say he's well, someone yeah. who's fitness-wise is just like that again, like um, some players can. The issue, the minutes he did play when coming back, he looked rubbish. Mm. He looked really bad. Yeah, um, and I think there were questions over again, almost like the the Tierney thing in a different position where this guy might be good, but is he going to fit with what we need at this point? I think he could, he, but I don't think he's a direct. Like you said, he wouldn't directly replace Odegaard. I'd say that's probably the most. So, Obvious example, but he would be a direct swap. For Xhaka, it would need a lot of training to, to replace that role. If you're going to play him wide, he's obviously not a direct... When he's come on, he has like played it. right centre mid, which is what he would do. And our left winger position has evolved. He he can no longer no. fill Martinelli's no. shoes and Reese Nelson does fit that better. Trossard fits that better. I think it is an unfortunate thing that as your squad gets better, the players you're attached to do sink further down but I think we've seen so much from Smith Rowe that it doesn't seem like one where 
if we sign a left central midfielder next season, you can see how I don't I don't like getting attached to transfer ideas, but I am now all in on Mr. Basmati. If Declan I Rice, think that one's more fair. If Declan your Rice session would say our, for example, this, <laughs> at least this one I can see more. If um if Declan Rice comes in, then natural selection. It's fair to say, Granite Xhaka, you've gone further down on the list and so that's just how it can happen the Smith Rowe one I don't know there's, there's just still enough there for me that I can still see him being a regular starter for Arsenal mm, he I really know. I don't know as I said it I was trying to picture where to yeah that's it yeah you just run out of spots it's not again it's not a comment on how good I think he is I just don't think he's never dislodging Erdegaard oh. and I think you'll want something better for the other two central midfielders positions the the thing that actually made me question it the most is and we're linked to every midfielder under the sun so I'll take it with with some pinch of salt as are you at the moment as well um, <laughs> yeah. but, anyone under a certain price for you <laughs> yeah there, there's a certain thing where you look at the profiles involved and the Zubamendi one makes sense from what I've seen yeah. the Declan Rice one makes sense from what I've seen the one that really caught my eye and that isn't going away is this um, Gabri Vega the, the kid who's in Spain and he was linked to Madrid basically and now they're getting Bellingham which I'm going to ask you about shortly. Oh good. That one he's more physical than Fabio Vieira. He runs from deep. He yeah. has the defensive numbers. That looks like kind of what we want Smith Rowe to be and that's where I go hmm but it depends how much we need money this summer. Maybe we've got this. Uh, this isn't going to happen. But maybe the club say we've got a chance of getting Rice and Caicedo, but we need to get thirty million from somewhere. And they say, can we get the best part of that, Tierney Smith Rowe? If we have to sell one of you to get that, then we're going to have to do it. Mm-hmm. And if I have to heed what I said before about Joe Willock at the point where everyone agrees it's time to sell then it's no longer it's too late to sell maybe this is the time but I would then say you give Smithrow the Reese Nelson minutes and you at least play him into being a valuable commodity again yeah I would have been using some of these games to give him more of a run out to if I was looking to sell in the summer that's what I would have done I think that from his personal point of view, I think he's going to be looking at, say, Southampton game with Fabio Vieira starting and going, well, hang on a minute. What's, there's a, where am I then? There's a certain thing with the optics where we've now confirmed second, which feels very uh, awful after the way the season's gone. That felt a big thing to me because the worry after we'd lost the City game was this could now go horribly wrong. If Newcastle had got one on us, then I think they were six points back and it was... Brighton next after that this could get very messy yeah okay with Brighton next yeah was, I, I was seeing some of this I was thinking come on the, well but, I yeah. think it was the run of yeah. Chelsea is Chelsea until you see them on the pitch and so yeah, Chelsea shocked, Newcastle Brighton was by the end of that run Newcastle could be a point behind mm-hmm. and at that point we could just be done um, Reese Nelson's rejected our first contract offer has he um, I do think if your first contract offer is accepted, then it probably was the wrong contract offer. Or uh, this player is not staying for the right reasons. He's going, yeah. he's going around clinging on to whatever I can get. So it's it's, it's interesting. If I'm Reese Nelson, I leave. But Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, it, as long as you can get the right move. 
Um, well, the Brighton one makes a lot of sense. It would to be, me. yeah, it would be great to see in there. I think. Um, yeah, last go, but t- the time wasting. I guess when your club does it, okay. When another club does it, really annoying, and that's kind of how. Right, so yeah, it's it is. Newcastle are the ones that really have no. That's the problem, isn't it? I think every fan base seems to sort of look out for Newcastle fans being furious at it, well, and then. Every prod them for it. Every uh, statistic about time wasting is Newcastle are the worst. Newcastle time taken to take a goal kick is a big one, and time the ball's in play. The fact that we had a ninety-six minute game with Newcastle in January and the ball was in play for forty-three minutes and seventeen <laughs> seconds. There is something really admirable about them being offended by time wasting. There's something about the sheer audacity, the nerve about it, I do enjoy. Yeah, Eddie Howe moaned and then <laughs> the guy who I do think is one of the worst left backs in the league, Dan Byrne, he said afterwards, <laughs> effectively, we did the same at their place. If anything, it's a compliment to us. We have to not let it detract from our game and uh, maybe, I think he may have indicated about the, f- the fans as well. He said, I think everyone reacted to it in the wrong way. Yeah, they got rattled. rattled. Well, they still boo when players go down, which is very like Burnley, Everton, like a player gets smashed in the head and they're booing the players on the deck. Um, Adjustment period for them, I guess. Um, Last thing, four players now with over 10 goals this season for Arsenal. Sign of a good team. I'd rather that than one guy... Because then that one guy goes down and it's like, what the hell do we do now? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, or just don't have to choose between it and have City's group where you just have one guy and three or four of us. Yeah. Um, Gary Neville said that this result won't keep City up at night, but it might just give them something to think about. A little annoyance. Agree yeah. with that? Yeah. Keeps them honest, doesn't it? At least. Yeah. Kind of like Liverpool last week. I didn't expect us to speak this much in... We have, so there we go. Newcastle... Ramsdale called it a game they didn't want to play, which I guess was playing football, if you want to really minimalise it that way. Um, He also said that Arsenal watched the All or Nothing clip pre-game. He said Arteta had zoom-ins of certain people's faces, (laughs) staff members included, and if you're going to react like that, then... Get out. Yeah, pretty much. Atmosphere was insane, but sometimes that pressure won't stick. Um number of things Isaac and Wilson together with Wilson wide made sense on paper did it work for you with Isaac wide yeah 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 um, not, not on this occasion I'm not saying it can't work um, Isaac ended up a little bit isolated at times out wide and they didn't really get him into it enough he was kind of just because he can dribble past three or four players doesn't mean you want him to have two and every time obviously you're going to double up on him because that's what you're going to do but he just kind of kept giving the ball. It was kind of almost like sometimes when you'd watch um, Zaha at Palace, certainly in the first Roy Hodgson phase, where they just like give him the ball on the halfway and I was like, right, go do something. Then. <laughs> yeah. like, what am I supposed to do here? It's, every now and again, you're going to be able to. And I thought it was unfair on him. And, and I'm not speaking with the bitterness of a man who needed a shot on target for him <laughs> for 50 quid at well, all. A big thing for him has been his connection with Joe Willock and they kind of found themselves inhibiting the same spaces. Yeah, I thought... Willock was one of the better ones for them in terms of trying to get something going. You watched him, he had a willingness to do it. Obviously, he had a good chance as well. A few of them had some good yeah. chances, didn't they? Um, but yeah, it's, it was an odd game for Callum Wilson as well, I thought. I thought he was trying to get into it, but also 
didn't show me as much as he has done in a lot of other games and he did get rattled by Xhaka. I him thought going was, at each other was it was worse for him than it was for Xhaka. Yeah, Xhaka's used to that game. Callum Wilson I don't think normally is that guy. He was trying to be a wind up and it wasn't working. So there was times when uh Erdegaard we'd won a free kick and he kind of pushed Erdegaard in the back as he was going to take the free kick. He was pushing Xhaka's head when he was on the floor. It was odd. Yeah. They were all doing it. Some of them I thought the officiating in that game was disgraceful. Common assault was got away with. It's Shah gets away with GBH on Jesus. Yeah, that I couldn't believe there was no yellow card on that one. On comms, they barely even. Yeah, like yeah. The thing that really rubbed salt in the wound on the the lack of Isaac Shah target was that I had cards in as well, and obviously that looked well. That's never going to happen. And then the the near scrap at the end, two cards come up. Oh. This is a winner winner. They did, and they, then I realised, yeah, I didn't have that. How do refs fall for that every time? A player gets pushed, they push back, and they get booked every single time. Lewis Dunk getting booked in the Brighton game. I know we just finished a podcast. You may have not seen it. Anthony loses his head. He boots. Dunk. I've seen the still images, obviously, of the two stood yeah, next to each other. He boots Dunk, comical, and then pushes him he pushes him again it's just one of them like Welsh used to try it and it's like you haven't moved with the first one I've got to try and get you while you're off balance <laughs> he pushes him again and then Dunk shoves him back and they both get booked and it's like this makes no sense because he wouldn't have pushed him no. if he hadn't and the pundits and I know the referees don't officiate the game for the pundits if they don't push back, they're going to go, oh, does this team lack a bit of fight? Yeah. They weren't up for it. It did look a little bit like Newcastle did think, potentially, we're going to go, Arsenal done like it up them and go try and get at them, which partly understandable. Also, I do think people have ended up talking with Newcastle sometimes about sort of their physicality and that sort of aspect of things where it's like they can play a bit. It's not, they're not yeah. like, a, it's not like they're some bad team. And I think maybe they potentially got bogged down in trying to fight Arsenal rather than trying to play them. But again, maybe this all becomes redundant if one of those early chances goes in. Maybe Newcastle do start getting at you. Maybe you do start yeah. getting a bit rattled um, and the game plan worked out. It's maybe it's fine margins. But they also do get officiated differently because of how big they are. Like Joe Linton can leave more in on a player than someone else because he's a big guy. In- when they were lining up one of their numerous free kicks they have where Trippier's delivery wasn't quite as good as it normally is in this game. But I did realise like, fucking hell, they got some big lads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I saw an Arsenal Journal pre-game Say when they all came out to do their defensive drills, and he was like, "They're a big, they're a big." Joe <laughs> yeah. Linton's huge, and mm, yeah, unit. Um, for those keeping track, um, Trippier has actually knocked Andy Robertson off my rat list <laughs> in the league. <laughs> He's a contender for number one. Blimey! I don't know any player that gets away with man marking referees more than he does. He's constantly just nibbling in the refs here all game. <laughs> And he was trying to do the same, pushing people and... Him and Jesus, people. I thought we were actually going to throw down at one point. Jesus, I said earlier, he's got a history of red cards in his career because he can lose his head. Mm. But more times than not, he does just play very well when yeah, he is angry. And he, he does do that very well. But he's like, um, if you want to do the Zinchenko allegations, he's one that has cried on the bench. Jesus, yeah, he got yeah. sent off for Brazil and he went off and he booted and he was crying as he was going down the touchline basically because that was a rough time for him as Brazil's number nine. He'd already come off the World Cup where he doesn't score, he's back in the team and then he gets sent off. The point I was going to make was sometimes, as you really did, they do need to do a 
bit more. And I thought yesterday when they needed technicians in there, mm. they didn't have technicians. Well, James Madison in there would have gone down a treat. Even I'm telling you, is am I being disrespectful to him? If I had to put him, and this is uh, if I'd use the Arsenal scale here, if I had the Fabio Vieira to Erdegaard scale in terms of finisher and creator. I would have Madison far more on the Vieira side of things. I, I don't look being, at Madison. You are being disrespectful, yes. I don't look at Madison putting his foot on the ball, controlling the tempo of a game, dictating the flow of things more than I look at him as a final action kind of player. I also don't think he'd play in midfield for Newcastle if he joined. I think that I is think the big thing. If he did shift Matt White, I think he plays left wing. Yeah, yeah, that'd be rough. I think the interesting thing yesterday, if they wanted to change things, not to just keep going on about this game, is that. I probably would have got St. Max on sooner. The second I saw yeah. Murphy sit down Zinchenko, I'd say, I know this isn't your natural side. You're going down there. Get on there yeah. and have a word with him. Yeah, I didn't think... Well, it's only got him on. I didn't think they gave him much chance. Well, I mean, to... he's just come back from what's supposedly a hamstring tear in oh. less than a month. So, look, everyone's been raiding Anfield this season when they've had their trips there. Well, I just think supposedly, like, Modric has just come back from injury. You're like, oh yeah, it's nothing weird about a thirty-six-year-old yeah. coming back from injury that quick. Totally normal. Bruno had a terrible game. Terrible, terrible. As bad as game. I've seen him, yeah. I don't know how he didn't get booked. That's probably the best thing that could come out of his game is that he didn't get a booking. Do they need someone else in there when they look this summer at what they want to do? Is that a big thing they need because? It looked like if he wasn't control the, going to control the game, there was really no one else to get on the ball and control things. Joe Willock's not going to do that. Joe no. Linton's not going to do that. No. And it's not like in their forward line, Sir Max isn't going to do that. I don't think Longstaff's going to do that. I don't think there's anyone else. They, they were going to overload you with intensity or there wasn't much spark after that. No, I... I know what you mean, but then you aren't going to bring in a midfielder like Bruno. No. A like for like. So you aren't, I, I think it's kind of incumbent upon him to try and control games. I don't know how many players you're going to get in that's like for like for him that's going to do that. I, I just don't buy it. Now, well, I would push back slightly on your Madison analysis. I'd say if you played him, he's a 10 really in terms of and all the good and bad that goes with that I think you've got all the creativity and flair and freedom that he can play with but for 20 minutes he's going to go missing and he might be a defensive liability but he might also in terms of creating and finishing he might win you a game I do also think in a better team he can get a foot on the ball and have a little bit more not in the same way because he's plays that further up and he's not going to play deeper I wouldn't want to play him in like part of two no. for example that would terrify me but that in itself, would take off some of the load of someone like Bruno, where you'd say, right, you've got to get on the ball and dictate the pace of this whole game, or you've got to be our entire creative force, which is unfair on yeah. one man, probably. And so, to have someone further up the pitch, like Madison, with the quality he's got, I do wonder if that, certainly in this game, I thought, would have made a difference. I, I looked at Newcastle and thought, yeah, who, who's going to create something for me here? Uh, and it was lacking a little bit, because Bruno wasn't having his best I, game. I've really s- simplified his game to make a point I, 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 Madison, I, think, I think is is brilliant I think we probably both have though yeah. I, for the sake of making um, my point we probably simplified it I, I think even Erdegaard wasn't carrying the whole bulk of things and it's going to it's a squad building process so yeah, Newcastle yeah. aren't going to have so we had Xhaka Erdegaard 
and uh, Jorginho in there yesterday. All of them can pick a pass. Xhaka probably the weakest of the three, and I think he's a better passer of the ball. Than, I think he's as good a passer of the ball as Bruno. And then out of the other two, he's... He I would mean, definitely be better than the yeah. other two. Yeah. Bruno um, might be a stretch. It's who they bring in alongside that. And so I don't know if Madison's athletic enough to do that in Eddie Howe midfield would be a big part of it. His physicality is probably the question mark from a Newcastle point of view, isn't it? Does they, he fit in? They could sign Tierney and Madison and be confused when they're both out on the opening game of the season. <laughs> I think they'll look to the French league and probably pick up someone from probably there. True. I think they can probably... The big thing at the moment that they can offer that other clubs can't is minutes. And uh, status, I guess, in a squad. I think if you're Madison this summer and it looks like there's two clubs that are going to be in for him, if it boils down to you joining Newcastle or Spurs, where do you go? Newcastle. Is it that simple? I, yeah, because I, I get the point that you're making where I would go... I think you have some of the same problems at Spurs that he had at Newcastle. I think they would fudge fitting him into the team. No, they shouldn't. It should be pretty easy for Spurs to figure him out. But I think evidence would suggest they might fuck it up. And um, I just think with Newcastle, if they do have Champions League football, you, again, you back yourself. I should be a starter in that team. I'm going to look at the names on there. Yeah. I'm a definite starter. They've got Champions League football. Spurs won't. They can offer me more money. Spurs can't. I think the arguments would become too overwhelming for them. It's definitely going to be interesting with him. I think a lot of this summer, usually people try and play the game of chicken in you do your business first and we'll gauge our prices based on that. Hmm. I think this summer you're going to be better to do it first. Set the stall out. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think... Either way, I don't think you want to see Declan Rice go for 100 million and then see Leicester say, well, if he's worth 100 million, then James Madison's worth 80. Like, I mean, if they stay up, they're going to say, well, he's been a big reason to part we stayed up and we've got the Premier League money still. So, yeah, it's a good point. I know they'd have a parachute payment if they went down, but still, it's a different financial keel they're on. And as we've said, you can't bully lower clubs much anymore. No. So if Rice does go for that huge sum of money, if someone does make the money on Caicedo, then... It's going to get real spooky, I think. If someone drops 90 million on Caicedo, then... Yeah, well, I am still hesitant to trust Edu to get the job done. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn and saying that Arsenal are obviously interested in uh, Declan Rice. I think we may have a Bellingham situation where West yes, Ham I... quote the price and Arsenal go, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> How much do you want for him? And for one, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For one, like, <laughs> we didn't know the price, but also for one of your examples of the Thomas Lamar, where you go, well, we were in for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, dude. Because he uh, seems like a man who wants to be seen to be doing this job rather than actually doing what, his job. The issue for him is the pressure really hasn't worked because he missed out on several targets and then Jorginho... Kivior yes. and Trossard look free for free. Um, that uh, Julian Loren came out this week and said Cronkies were willing to match the offer that Chelsea secured for Mudrick and it was Arteta and Edu that said we're not sure we want to do that and instead pivoted to sign the three players instead. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that will bolster your confidence then, won't it? Because you'll look at how he's playing and how... Your signings have gone. It could be, it could just be very good PR. And Edu around this time 
usually we get something around the way he pivots from targets. It is. And yeah. I remember the Paratici article in The Athletic. Mm. Um, I thought it was a conspiracy theory at first. Agents and clubs are definitely paying Fabrizio to prop their targets and things in, in their posts because the stuff you read, I, I shouldn't know about uh, Jonathan David. I shouldn't know that, <laughs> you know, there's a big chance he's going to leave for around 60 million this summer. And I shouldn't get regular updates on certain players and the goals they've scored in the leagues they do. It's just strange. It is odd, isn't it? Yeah. And so yeah. certain agencies definitely work in that frame. Who's coughing up that money for Jonathan David? Exactly. Where Arsenal didn't pay 40 million for him after they'd come off winning the league yeah. with you'd, Lil. You'd have watched that World Cup and I think you'd have gone, ooh, I don't yeah. know about that. Um, but that's just, it's interesting how things go now. That the I guess when someone gets a profile that Fabrizio established, you're always going to be vulnerable to that. The, the example stuff are going to start of uh, the Mudrick deal is as clear as deal as I've ever seen. That is nuts. The way just from his tweets and the profile built, the profile was largely built by us not knowing much about him. And that was part of the allure of the deal was that he's the Ukrainian Neymar. How much more do you need to know? Yeah. And it... <laughs> Gradually went. Um, you weren't sold at all. You, well, you weren't. You weren't. <laughs> I think we all collect. I think we all collectively at the start of the window said, "Well, that's just United. They're obviously not getting a hundred million for him." And then gradually it became a case of, "Well, how can you not sign this guy now? Yeah. Because do you want to look worse than them? Maybe, maybe we give Eddie credit now. He he pump fake Chelsea all the time. He didn't." He knew he wanted Trossard. He got them out of the picture. <laughs> An all-time great pump fake. Yeah. That's what he has done. But it's, it's just, it's, it's nuts. There is definitely a, uh, a making a footballer documentary in a way where you create a footballer that doesn't exist and see if you can get Romano to flog him to people. <laughs> I've, I've been watching this guy. He's the guy, trust me. With Newcastle and a left-back, would that be one of the first things on your radar this summer because again a big reason I think they put Isaac on the left is they clocked the game in January where remember Saka had a run at Dan Burn in the first five minutes and then yes. five minutes later how was like Joel Linton get over there yeah and I don't think he got a free run at Dan Burn the rest of the night Joel Linton was incredible that night mm. Isaac was so much further deeper than he'd been in any Newcastle game because he was mainly the guy defending Saka. Yeah, he was having to do some work, wasn't he? Saka uh, actually made more defensive uh, contribution than I think any Arsenal player outside of Jorginho yesterday, by the way. So he was putting a shift in as well. But not bad going. Dan Byrne, they can't go into next season with Dan Byrne and it seems uh, we haven't seen enough of him playing for Newcastle. Newcastle fans tell me Matt Target might be better than Dan Byrne, but that doesn't mean Matt Target should be our left back, basically. Yeah, as you said, it's an evolving squad, and that would be the most obvious area for improvement. I think Dan Byrne is a short term fix. He's done better than any of us predicted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's face it, he was we brought in it. as part of the thing of, right, keep us up. Yeah. And I was still here because I knew Eddie Howe, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still here to have later. Over the summer, they're going to sign someone, aren't they? Um, would. If you if you're looking at Newcastle's business going into the summer, would the Gordon signing be a red flag for you? 
with that because they'd gone no misses before that. Everyone yeah. had contributed. Even the target one was alone, and I think they, I think they paid like twelve million for him in the end. So maybe not quite hit in the same respect as everyone else. But fifty million for Anthony Gordon looks worse weekly. And I see Newcastle fans. I see my brother. You know, preseason. He, We've all done this coping mechanism. Sometimes, try, try to convince yourself. Yeah, sometimes just take what you see. If Jacob Murphy is getting regular minutes over you, something has gone wrong for your 50 million man. This isn't Saka coming in ahead of Pepe. No. This is Jacob Murphy <laughs> playing over you. Still slandering Jacob with Murphy. Saint, with St. Max out, you're telling me Gordon wasn't expecting to be the guy to step in. Yeah. Yeah, he came on yesterday. The only fear I had was the same Aubameyang fear. Like, this guy's obviously going to do something because I've slagged him off. From a technical standpoint... What an extensive list, though. This is probably <laughs> yeah. to keep naming players each week. From a technical standpoint, it wasn't one where I'm like, oh, if you get on the ball. Yeah. No, it's... You're right. I do see a lot of, sort of trying to convince ourselves things going on with Newcastle fans with him. He's... I mean, over the summer... When Chelsea were getting linked for obviously fifty million for him, and I was saying I felt oh, that was a near miss. Do you remember when someone nearly signed Anthony Gordon for fifty million pounds, yeah, and then yeah. Newcastle would go and do it? It was an odd thing. It was an odd thing for them as well. Where bearing in mind, obviously they are richest club in the world, having very keen not to be seen as we're going to overspend. That felt like a real roll of the dice. It was a bit surprising with the Gordon one. I do think because of certain things around him and maybe his personality, that people don't like him. And as a, and the hair and other things that I do think there's he's got more quality than people think. I think there's something there, but it's I don't know if it's ever going to be a fifty million pound something there. <laughs> Can't beat the Claire Balding allegations. <laughs> really hard to come back from that. Really hard to come back. I think it's 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 one that Howe was obviously very uh, serious about one that he wanted to get over the line I I couldn't believe that after everything that happened he still cost 50 million that was my thing when they started getting linked with him it was like okay I think 35 was what we were first linked with and it was okay he's young he's English we have seen him score goals in a poor Everton side yes and then I remember seeing the deal and I said ooh that's not what I thought it was going to be no and that maybe it's an optics point spending 50 million on now a guy who's working as part of your squad but I don't look at Newcastle's front line now and say that's set because I don't think he's going to play Isaac wide left Wilson through the middle St. Max right like you're putting playing two players out of position if you do that yeah 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 exactly so it still looks like they need someone in there I'm not sure how much St. Max is part of his long term vision just because of what a liability is defensively I think the way he's played him shows it. I don't think he trusts him massively, no. uh, which I don't know what that says for Gordon. Yeah, that, that's probably the main concern to me is that since he's got through the door, is probably one of the some of these games some more minutes with Gordon. We've well, already had a row with How, hasn't he? When he came off on the t- on t- yeah, and that whether his ego's out of control or what, whether he's not working quite as much like How would want in training, but yeah, just a little bit the. How committing to signing this guy yeah. is probably one of the best votes of confidence I can have for him. But now not playing him, by the same token, is, is the biggest concern. Did you see um, the Everton fans online pissed off that he was celebrating beating them 
<laughs> he's like, this guy's probably just relegated us. Look at that smile on his face in his interview after. What a piece of shit this guy is. <laughs> the fans are like, well, he plays for them now. And he's like, he needs to remember where he came from. <laughs> I think he's already talked to the club, don't worry. How, how much can Newcastle realistically get done in the summer? Because I said to Harry and... They're, they're an easy one as a journalist to link players with because you can just link anyone there Yep. and there's a space in the squad for most of them that you can say they'll slot into. I think they'll maybe do two. I think they'll get an Isaac and a Botman that level. So that's what a 50 and a 60 or 40 and a 60. And then maybe you get a Tierney and the rest is kind of fleshing out the squad. We, decent, we, decent enough summer. Yeah, we've spoken, haven't we, about squad building and you get to a point, so for us, we now have to buy the squad raises and yeah. the first summer Arteta had, we were buying... Anything. Yeah, we were fleshing out... You were <laughs> Anything buying, can improve what we've got. You were buying more of less and filling the gaps, whereas Newcastle actually interesting where they go. Um, and maybe... Their window has to be different in the Champions League than it does. What is it? They could be a victim of their own success because they've gone quicker than you might have expected. I mean, it's definitely going to be difficult for Howe because if they start the following season badly, pressure suddenly comes on for a guy who has done a really good job. I have to think he could be undone by his own success. I I can't think he's the long term guy. That's the thing. Yeah. Will he just, will he end up being the Mark Hughes that built us a little bit? Now we're going to go get. I'm not saying Mancini this time, maybe. Enrique. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to come on to Chelsea, aren't we? Yeah. But he's loitering there for someone to take. Yeah, let's let's talk about uh, Chelsea because the rest of my notes on Newcastle are basically what a vile bunch they are. Um, Frank, Lampard, Frank Lampard said after Saturday's win that Chelsea's have a lot of work to do after their first win since March. So, <laughs> look. Cheers, Frank. <laughs> if there's one thing this guy knows... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people suggest he doesn't know what he's on about when he's sending you stuff like that. I think maybe the strongest indictment of this side, um, there was a break in the Arsenal game where they had a 5v2 and I still never felt like they were scoring. No, no. Them on that was like uh, when Harden has a bad game. It drives to the rims like, it's right there, James. No, I've got to pass it. What are you the, doing? The fact they scored was... I came out of that game at halftime. It was like, I don't know what I'm celebrating here, but... It's always nice to beat this lot. You're beating a carcass. And then at full time, it was just, it wasn't dejection, but it was like, well, that should have been more. And like, <laughs> why have we conceded? We shouldn't have given them any point of this game to even look good. No. They scored a goal. Does Sterling's performances sum up their season pretty much? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Frank, if you want to sum up his management, Madueke, who looked the only yeah, yeah. shining hope for them, it wasn't great, but it was significantly better than anyone else, brings him off Vizich, who quite openly has wanted to leave, quit yeah. a long time ago. Just, Frank, do yourself a favour. Why, why do City fans not like Sterling? Do they not? No. They they were laughing after the interview did in the week, saying it's a low, it's the low point of his career. Jeez. I think I don't know if they're trying to force the kind of like I asked you earlier actually, but the players that leave and you kind of 
they want their Nasri, they want their Fabregas, <laughs> they want their Van Persie. It just seems... Is that club so dominant that they have to go looking we're for a scrap with players? Because I mean, we're all doing it because we're a little bit bitter, but they can't be bitter because leaving City, City will always, almost always be on the winning end of yeah. that deal, won't they? That's and right. in the case of Sterling going to Chelsea, I think we probably knew who they, the winner was going to be. They did it with uh, Zinchenko and it's like... But at least with that, there's an element that you're challenging them. Yeah. So you can go, I can see Sterling how you might... Sterling strange. Sterling tr- is, is brilliant. You've got money for this guy. He gave you years of, of really good service, to be fair. Yeah. You then got more money than you probably could have expected to go to a Chelsea team that are crap. It's the perfect move for you as a fan. So I find it weird if they don't like him. They're trying to run this like heritage gimmick with Haaland as well. And it's like... What? That he dreamt of being a City player when he was younger. It's going to really break their hearts when he pushes for that Madrid move. Yeah. In a year or two. It's, it's strange. I, I, the Sterling one... Did you, you know his dad it. played for them? Yeah. <laughs> it's... Yeah, that wasn't a big thing when he was uh, when he was flirting with Ollie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't care then. In fact, if his agent bit the dust uh, <laughs> a oh, no, couple he... of years sooner, he probably ends up at United. Yeah. Oh yeah. If United felt a bit more bullish, they would have. They probably could have got it done. But they were they were shitting themselves that they were still the, the club that signed duds at that point. Did you see that tweet after? Um... Harlem pointed to the sky for Raiola the other week. No. The tweet was like, I'm not sure he's up there, fella. <laughs> no, because now he was actually a great guy. That's that's the rule, actually. He was a great guy the whole time. Yeah, he did the point up, the Lampard one, and um, yeah, the tweet, the saw was like, oh, that's not the right direction to be pointing, big man. <laughs> Imagine if he had done the opposite, though, just points down tribute. <laughs> The, the thing with his dad always, Harlan's dad always like really baffled me because I thought like, is he like a city legend or something? It's like he played there three years, played thirty eight games. Well, if we're honest, so it'd be like if we, I don't know, if a few years time, John Joe Shelby has a kid who's great at football and be like, well, he was always going to come to Liverpool, <laughs> club legend. If we're honest, the reason most of us know his name is because of Roy Keane. Roy Keane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is Poch a good fit for Chelsea? No, you not reckon. Is it, got, is it too simplistic to say young players this guy like I got players. the point like Carragher I mean really uh, attached himself to the Parchments I do think it would be good that that you've got a lot of talent in this squad you need someone to be able to coach it in theory Potter should be able to do that then okay Potch is maybe another level again than Potter yeah. because he's got more of a CV and he's worked in PSG so he, could, he knows egos and stuff now but nonetheless You've got to be ruthless this summer because they're going to have to get rid of a load and probably they're still going to be looking to bring people in. So they're going to have to streamline the squad. That's going to be difficult for anyone. That's where I would have gone Enrique is the best man for the for the job because he wouldn't care. He wouldn't care about egos. He'd be ruthless with the squad. But anyway, this is a guy for the Euros didn't use his full squad allocation. Yeah, he's. A, I think you can have 23 players and he picked 22 and you don't, you don't want just one. He's like, no, I don't, I don't care. And he... The way he manipulates uh, the media as well, it's perfect. he just goes back at them. He's not not scared at all. And I think we saw with the Potter thing, for this Chelsea job, you're going to need a big personality. I'm not saying Poch doesn't, but he's kind of a, a nicer manager. And he's. I think he needs an easier situation than you've got at Chelsea. And the ex-Spurs boss thing will rear its head. When times get tough, well- Chelsea fans are going to go, Oh yeah, you're the guy we mocked at Spurs because you were good, but you couldn't win anything. 
And now you're our manager. Jack, to be fair, was quite honest in saying, don't want him. No. <laughs> he basically said they've grounded us down enough that... This is it. Yeah, they've just been grounded submission where you go, any manager will do. If it's not absolutely dreadful, we'll take it. But that's fine. That lasts five games. Yeah. And then it all goes downhill. Potter, it was... Well, look, we've just given up hope. Yeah. So it wasn't matter. And then it was, this man has to leave. Or I'm going to burn the ground down. <laughs> Jack, Jack said, um, I'm actually quite excited about the idea of a rebuild. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I do not doubt, for five minutes, these emotions do exist. But then you revert to sort of what your club's about. And that club's about winning. And if Poch can't get it done and get it done quickly, all those fans are going to see is a... Spurs manager that was loved by Spurs fans. Enrique was the one that scared me the most when I saw. I just think he's the perfect fit for Chelsea for what they need. Just the size of personality, the CV. He's not going to be scared of anyone in there. Why is Nagelsmann considering Spurs and not Chelsea? Odd, isn't it? Whether he looks at that situation at Chelsea and goes, is the Spurs one not worse? I would say so because. Like, what is Levy pitching that Bowley isn't pitching? I saw some. one of them awful Twitter accounts, but I don't like when I laugh at them. <laughs> Referred to him as Todd Belly the other day. And he <laughs> God's sake. It was so bad. But I was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the issue Spurs have got is as a manager coming in, once upon a time, they'd have been able to characterize themselves against Chelsea's with stability, with yeah. a model of stability. And now they get, he's going to look at it and go, well, you've run through what three managers now in quick succession. I don't know that you're not going to do the same with me. I'm going to be backed, but not backed as much as I probably would at Chelsea. It's difficult, isn't it? Let's face it, because didn't Nagelsmann and Enrique pull out at interview stage? Yes. Then they speak to Chelsea and they went, no, thank you. So Enrique pulled out early doors. Chelsea tried framing it that he was never in the picture. Um, Nagelsmann, yeah, had an interview and then pulled himself out. And then Chelsea said that he wasn't making their final shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm rejecting her. She's not rejecting me. So the job. See, so that tells me something's going on, which isn't hard to believe. No. Something in the interview press is going on when managers get spooked, when they go and something about this. Can you I maybe don't like. pitch too much? Can it sound too good to be true if you're being pitched just everything you could possibly ask for? They used to go in and be told, "Look, we maybe can't give you everything at once, but this is what we're doing. This is what we expect the first season." If they're just saying, "I mean, you can't be much worse than this. We'll back you. We got the money here." We've got a lot of good play- young players, though. Yeah, potentially. I wonder, but my managers is now are used to working with certain structures. Have Chelsea got a structure in place that managers going to want at this they've, point? They've got like four directors of football. So where they're, gonna, they're supposedly a great team. Yeah. So, and you go, how well are they working? How much involvement does Todd want? Yeah. Because obviously he's had a lot at this point. Is he going to step back now? Or is it, he's going to go, right, I've got to steady the ship, so I'm going to get more involved. It's, all those things I imagine are running through a manager's head. And you're going to go, most managers are going to go, I want all this money to spend. Chelsea's probably the one club where you're going to go, I'm not sure I want loads of money it's spent again. the worst again. thing that happened to Potter. Exactly. And he's got, how am I going to work with all of this? Yeah. You know, he's going back to Tuchel. Tuchel's having to introduce himself to players that he didn't, he didn't yeah. know were getting brought in. So I don't know. It's, it's a very rare instance where managers might be worried about being back too much. In contrast, is the issue at Spurs... I also don't think as well with Chess, by the way. The movement has kind of been that, look, they've got so much talent in this squad, you've just got to mould it. I think they've got talent, they're better yeah. than they're showing, but it's not, No. oh, just get the right guy and I'll win the league. I, I don't see that. I think a manager must be looking in going, I don't know about some of these players. Well, they, they've kind of done the buy one the kids idea on football manager that 
it's going to be a fun couple of years and then the third year we definitely win the league because they've all met their potential. Mm. Is is the issue as much at Spurs, not that they've gone through three managers, but the three managers they've gone through? If I'm a top-class manager coming through, do I look at the fact that Jose, Conte... No, no, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But I, I assume managers will always back themselves to be... Yeah. But they talk. We, I think they talk more than we think as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, because Conte I just, said at one point, there was a quote and he said something like, it was along the lines of, I was warned about these things. I feel like probably wasn't Jose. And they probably were not no, speaking to him. And it's worse now I'm here, basically. It's so hard to get a read, isn't it? Because they'll say that to try and make their job look harder, won't yeah. they? Protect their own reputation. So it's hard to... I'm always sceptical when they say, I wasn't sure how yeah, about the yeah, problems yeah. until I got in the doors. Oh, is if that we right? Can see him, yeah. Yeah. Um, Madueki does look good until the final pass. Mm, um, a little bit raw. But he's the 21-year-old winger that's been through a number of academies and then was playing in Holland. Let's um, face it, well, one of the lowest profile of Chelsea's various signings yeah. as well. There was an article on The Athletic that they've tried running this big thing after the Bournemouth game about how Chelsea need to embrace their academy more. Don't disagree, but because of how good their academy is that you can look all across the league and Cobham's thriving. They're quoting like in the article, genuinely, Eddie Nketiah, who was there <laughs> until he was 15. And yeah. they're quoting Declan Rice, who was there till he was, what, like 16. It's the most ridiculous art. They're basically doing the whole league is being propped up by Chelsea's academy. And then <laughs> the, you look deeper at the players. It's like, is that really the case? And they're like, you know, they made an argument that, you know, if, if Solanke had been at Chelsea longer and it's just the like, stupid thing. That, anybody looked at their problems and gone, you know what? Solanke needed a bit more time. Well, the ones you look Should at... Should have brought him through. The ones you look at are Gurhi, when the money they've just spent on centre-backs, been linked with us, by the way, which surprises me um, for the price that I imagine he's going to Yeah, that's gonna, the, gonna the price, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Gurhi, Tammy... Livermento, mm-hmm. there's a number of them that's like, okay, that, that makes Colwell. Oh, he's the big one, probably. Yeah, they're telling him that he can't leave this summer, they're taking him back. And meanwhile, they're still spending on centre backs. Now, of the bunch, Buddy Ashile might look like the best signing the pick, they've brought he? in. Um, and again, from I know from the summer, but if you can keep Fafana fit, then you've if, got. Uh, that seems. So, yeah, but you've got some of the best centre-backs around, some of the best young centre-backs from everything we've seen of Badia Shule and Fafana and Colwell looks a really good young player. If, but it's, um, it's forming an actual team. <laughs> if the, the other contenders they've, they've ran out at Chelsea, Todd says, oh, I've heard some good things about you. Our other director of footballs are gone. We need you to come in. You're culling the Look, other three. I know what you've heard on the outside. Finances are a little tighter than you would believe. <laughs> you can address one area of the squad this summer. Where would you think is the biggest priority? I mean, presumably striker is just just off the bat. Uh, just yeah. just just watch them. They have Evening. to have Nkunku already again. Is and Lukaku coming back? Who may not be for me to say. Looks a big old unit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bear in mind. 
the whole thing previously even going to Italy was that he's trimmed down. <laughs> no, he's just given up. Do you think you'd stay skinny if you were in Italy though? No, oh, God no, <laughs> no, no. Even I might. My metabolism might give yeah. up even. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Let's face it; they've got to offload a lot of this, and that's going to be a bigger challenge as bringing anyone in is getting rid of some of these players. The wages they're on, the money you'll want to recoup, they're not going to get some of the money they think is. Gallagher's recent goal-scoring form, I'll say that he scored two goals. Um, That's form. Is that maybe a bad thing to happen to them? It was fairly clear-cut a couple of weeks ago that... They're going to sell. We're going to sell him. Now, especially with the manager coming in, there's going to be a number of players. Like I have to think any manager coming in is going to want Mason Mount. I'm pretty sure a Chelsea manager coming in is going to want Mason Mount. Yes. Whereas... Six weeks ago, we were fairly sure they were going to get £60 million, £50 million pounds for him. It depends on what Mason Mount wants, though, doesn't it? I don't yeah. know if it's always been about the club. June June 30th is what we're told is homegrown players, at least. That's the date they need him out by. Okay. Because then they count on the books for this year. And homegrown players, you get their full value. At the moment, Chelsea have around £90 million of flexibility we know they're just going to take the hit, basically. <laughs> At the moment, the penalties that they would get are the equivalent of a parking fine more than your license taken off you. And with Europe out of the question, they aren't going to have to actually answer to UEFA's guidelines. Well, this is it. This is where they're going to have to be ruthless over the summer. To be, you can't have... They've got so many players, Loftus-Cheek, where you'll go like... And Gallagher is recent form. It's... We might have something so I'll keep in. They're kind of like hoarders. They're yeah. just hoarding. You're like, at some point, you've just got to go, right, even if he's good somewhere else, we're going to be good enough that it doesn't matter. We can't just go, well, I don't want him doing it for anyone else. We're just going to hold him here hostage. Potentially, if you were looking to sell Gallagher, a couple of games shouldn't change it. You should no, be right. No. We're looking to sell this guy. And that's what you just can't. This is where getting the manager in now, if you could have, would have been beneficial. We, you can get him in the door. He can look at it just for longer rather than... We could end up having a conversation where you go in, whoever the manager is, well, he needed longer to look at him over pre-season. We think Poch is going to be confirmed by the end of the week. The, the about two weeks ago, didn't we? The suggestions I saw were that basically every time Chelsea lost, his people were saying... Have more quid. We might want a bit more now. <laughs> You're asking us to do a bigger job. Than How you much is enough? Um, tough question. Would you be surprised if next season started and Declan Rice was a Chelsea player? Yeah, now I would. Yeah. For the longest period, that felt a guarantee. Felt inevitable. Yeah. Then they signed Enzo, and we all kind of thought, okay, maybe not. And then we saw that they actually do just have a bottomless pit and it's kind of like other teams are linked with him. When I see Fabrizio tweet, Arsenal, early conversations, Chelsea are also an option. I'm just burying my phone in the garden. <laughs> it's like, I don't need to, I know where this goes. <laughs> we know the outcome. Yeah, it, I mean, look, unless he really is a massive Chelsea fan, and I don't know, Mount's definitely staying, so he really wants to play with his mate. But the, the Mount to Arsenal links are getting stronger from the end that I'm seeing. Interesting. Would Chelsea want to sell to you? That'd be. I don't think they would, but the thing if is, the they, on they the do table. want to sell. Mm. What does a what does a Mount Erdegaard Rice midfield look like? Not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, I don't hate it. 
yeah, I, th- I just think Rice is quite a careful guy. Uh, is he going to walk through the door at Chelsea at this point in time? I'm not. I'm not entirely only, sure. I think his next move is huge. Yeah, the only thing I think just is think it, Chelsea's. Uh, I don't know. It's so up in the air. His dad's uh, what their fans would call proper Chelsea, uh, I believe. So I do. <laughs> I do wonder about that. There yeah. is a thing obviously playing for your boyhood club, but we've seen players take choices before where they realise their boyhood club is shit. Basically, yes. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the one that I'm just wanting to attach my name to now in case it does happen. I think Tammy to Chelsea reunion could be on. I look at the strikers out there and I look at the clubs that want a striker and I think, why is anyone joining you? I was convinced about Osiman a number of months back and Chelsea, I knew they were bad, but they're never on TV. When I saw them against us, I didn't know they were that bad. There was, there was, Jack was obviously telling us they're the worst team in the world. I thought there was an air of just bad luck about them. Just what can go wrong will go wrong. Hmm. It seemed, I don't think Lampard should be called the manager because whatever he's doing, he's not looking after the team. Yeah. Yeah, that's safe and, pair of hands for And so I, I, I didn't know they were, were this bad. Because even, you made them look quite good. Well, that's it. Against us, you'd have gone, this is a team that just doesn't have the finishing touch. Yeah. Because it, it could put it together, but again, that, that game is played at just a pedestrian pace where we were just worse than they were. So I don't think they were hugely better than they were in the game against you. It's just that we matched them, so yeah. the game went James, accordingly. James and Chile injured again. Jesus. I mean, that's... Just take Reese out and just shoot him at this stage. They, you probably the insurance they've got on him is more <laughs> than what they. This guy we were being told was going to be the new Real Madrid left uh, right back. Yeah, it's well, that would just be the injuries curtailed it. He would have done. He would have been Cafu, but the injuries. Um, probably about enough on Chelsea for today. Let's go. Uh, I was going to say the other end of the table. It's not. It's the same end of the table. Nasty. I didn't expect the game we got from Everton and Leicester. Did you not? It was... I look at both those teams and I just don't expect to see anything resembling a good game of football. But then it wasn't because of the quality, was it? No. It was just a bit of chaos, a fair bit of jeopardy on the line. Because both of these clubs kind of created chances and just didn't take them. You really like, This could have been, I don't know, like 7-4. Yeah, yeah, and it could have been early doors. Um, Everton un- unveiled a banner in the Gladys Street end um, on Thursday night that said, fight for us. Not good when you have to ask that, is it? <laughs> it are they just... They look good against us, Deitch's first game. After that, they don't really look like a Sean Deitch side. No, no, that's the concern, isn't it? That if that was the bounce as well, it's quite a, a small <laughs> bounce. Because uh, the when they came to the Emirates a number of weeks later, they had some moments, and if they didn't have that piece of shit Mopey up front, they might have scored. But they just they're terrible. Yeah, yeah, they, they do look awful. Then they did. I saw someone saying as well that the year. And the Frank, they kept him up. Essentially, the home form, the fans were bang up for it. You're not seeing that quite as much this year because it's a really good point. That when you are in a relegation battle year on year, 
and what it's only two years from yeah. still it, it becomes harder for the fans to keep getting up for this yeah. because, and eventually just get worn down and each team that's done it you've seen that with teams that narrowly avoid relegation each year eventually they go because you can't keep doing that it's part of it and also that everyone was bad at that end of the table last year whereas now nobody's that bad but then it is. it could be the thing that keeps Everton up is unless and we're going to talk about him. I'm sure Big Sam at least, yeah. unless he can get something, they look just as bad. If you look at them, they look horrible. Yeah. And then Forest don't look much better themselves. They'll they'll get give you a game every now and again. But I was looking at all three of those teams, and I was thinking, all of them can get the crowd up for it, and so their home games will be the key. And then I watched them on the same weekend. I think Everton lost to Fulham at home. Not a great performance on the Saturday. Not great. Forest lost to United at home. They might not have been expecting to get anything from United, but I thought they were just really lacking quality in that game. Again, a home game you thought they might be able to get on top, scare United, never laid a glove on them. Yeah. And then Monday night, Leeds at home to us, and we give them a hiding. And it looks like Javi Gracia's last game, rather than obviously he's still fairly new in the job at this point. And he looked like, the fans looked like, yeah. oh, this is a relegated team and the manager's last game. He obviously gets a couple more and, and then goes. Birthday. And so on each of them, yeah, that's tough, isn't it? And, and so with each of them, you're like, oh, the thing that I thought could be your saving grace, each of them at home and all of you are abysmal. And it's just going to be a case of who's the least shit. It's well, not... Evan could be saved again yeah. by another team just floundering. You looked at like Leeds fixtures... I struggle to see where they're going to get the point, unless Sam can do something. Yeah, because I know you... I know they give it a go against City, but it's Newcastle next, and then a couple more Spurs and someone else. You know, that's that's not easy. No, I know you want Everton to stay up, or at least... I quite like them to go down for a year. Yeah. That'd be fun. I would... I'd love them to go down. No, I... I instinctively want them to go down. Yeah, okay. I, I really, really do want them to go down. Every time I will them off to lose, it's just... If I had to think about it logically, yeah, yeah, I, it, it would be a shame to miss the game, and we do beat them. Yeah. <laughs> it is six points. I saw a tweet about Southampton that said, "Imagine if Southampton fans were told at the start of the season they'd win matches against three different Chelsea managers, end Man City's quadruple hopes, draw twice versus the league leaders, concede just once versus Man United, and end Conte's time at Spurs, and then look at the table." <laughs> yeah, that is a great point. Jesus, Javi Garcia basically just decided for one reason or another I'm not going to play my best player and just didn't play Nonto at all <laughs> just when he hit his stride really yeah. as well really odd and uh, that's like Southampton going mm, not sure about that Ward Prowse fella yeah <laughs> or playing him but not putting him on set pieces <laughs> yeah. no no we're not having him on those um, yeah that, that game was really good it was great lot, fun wasn't it a lot it of the accounts seem to be crediting Pickford for doing the research on penalties like he sat at home watching Madison's last efforts really odd that the focus on it being on the water bottle as well which is just a thing yeah. like keepers yeah. do it uh, presumably these people didn't watch the FA Cup semis because the keepers would look yeah. De Gea kept looking I mean I don't know what was written on De Gea's <laughs> one but he kept looking at it nonetheless um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very strange in I guess positives if you want to take Calvert-Lewin looked good um, but then did have that horror miss. <laughs> that's hard, Dominic. Um, still think get him yeah. to the arse in the summer. Yeah, that's um, that might be your worst. Uh, 
Well, I, I don't think so we're far. portioning much money for a striker, basically, and so no. I just want something a bit different. And get him to Chelsea, and let's all have some fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Chelsea might go back for Solanke. <laughs> Madison missing the pen was really the game there. Could be huge, really, when you look at that. Everton, um, great family club that they are probably decided that they aren't going to renew Coleman's contract and they're going to let him go for a free with a crucial injury or whatever it is. Jesus. Um, There's your reward. And Sean Dyche made no subs other than that injury. That's the weirdest thing. Them, his thing with Demira Gray, like, I know Dwight McNeil's your man. <laughs> There's one man that looks to have a bit of X factor in yeah. this Everton side. And unfortunately, um, after the pod we had last week, Iwobi did me no favours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wondered if I... Uh, I think I said to you, didn't I? I wondered if I'd been too harsh and I watched him. But no, 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 I was absolutely fine. Is there anyone from this Everton side that you'd pinch? Anyone. Can Onana make the Liverpool midfield next season? Uh, I would roll the dice on Onana. I actually do think there's something there um, if I'm having to take a player. Uh, he's... I. Because he kind of kept getting linked with Arsenal, didn't he? Yeah, uh, I didn't see it. Not I, for what we were doing in January. No, no, no. It's I would just be like curious. There is something there. It, was, it is unfortunate that Cam set the stall out as the Ayatorio <laughs> on this pod. It's difficult for us to match that, but he does have something about him. I, I would have wanted to see a few stand, more standout games from this Everton team where I go, okay, they've lost, but he's been a level above. I, I think he's being sold like Conor Gallagher, where it's we see physical attributes he has but I'm not really seeing it on the pitch mm. in January we were seeing Arsenal they're being linked with Caicedo or Onana and it was like why are they in the same conversation yeah that's, that's odd yeah I do think yeah he, he has got something I'd be curious to see another year in the Prem to see what he can do the, by the way the thing with Conor Gallagher I was saying to uh, someone the other day that one of the weirder things with him at some point, he and others just became entirely focused on work rate and running. Yeah. When you looked at him at Palace, he was better on the ball than he's been at Chelsea. He could pass a bit, could score a couple of screamers. You thought, it's got, he's, there's more to him than just running around and being ratty. And he seems to have yeah. forgotten that a little bit. Was it a good sign for you um, in terms of personality that Onana chose to stay at Everton? Or was it a worse sign for how bad Chelsea are that he was like, I'm not jumping ship for that? <laughs> Yeah, probably that because something slightly more enticing. I think Anana would have jumped for sure. Um, little thing on Harland. Um, Pep was not happy at the weekend. He said it shows what a nice man Harland is that he let Gundogan take the penalty. I seem to ask you a few of these questions each week. If the news broke that Klopp wanted to link up with Gundogan again, how would you feel? We're running it back, baby. Yeah. Uh, I mean, his injuries would like soon... Step. They would soon rear their head again, wouldn't yeah. they? You know this thing that they've sold his injuries at City? First training session, he'd break down for us. I know he would. Uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a great player, for sure. He's better than I thought he ever was, yeah. by the way, as well. I know City, you got a certain tax on it, but he looks great. Yeah, he seems to be the opposite. When he was talking about losing him in the summer, I, was, I couldn't really believe it. No. Bear in mind, he was That's why I think a real difference maker in that last game of the season against Villa. They're now saying they were never in for Bellingham. <laughs> I have to think they had something. They've got something ready. Because it's not that 
Calvin Phillips is getting a year and he's stepping into his shoes. By the way, Calvin Phillips looking buzzing to be coming off for a minute the other day. What's that medal? Pe- he wants that medal. I saw people like talking this up. Like that is not a feel good story. That's fucking no. tragic. Yeah, it's depressing. The thing with Gundogan, by the way, you look at him and um, certainly this year Bernardo Silva. You can like talk about sliding doors and near misses. Like I think City probably would have shipped them at various points in their careers. Well, they basically and they've ended up holding on to them, and they've been key parts of this season. Yeah, they've basically said, if you want to go, bring us an offer. And then mm. they've basically gone, well, the team that wants us is Barca. And they've, so are you bring an offer? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, would you let us go on loan? No, strangely. No, I don't fancy it. Like when um, Wolves wouldn't let Traore go for under 15 million to Spurs and then just loaned him to Barca yeah. with an option instead. And it was like... <laughs> Do I need to tell you they're not taking that option? Yeah, yeah if you've not learned that, well, shame on you. Um, Liverpool, we've uh, we've got there. We've got to talk about the Bellingham news first. Finally, some closure. Does I feel a bit better? Probably is for some people, yeah. Probably they needed it. I think I'd given up a while ago. But yeah. And it does make things very clear then going into the summer because there were some suggestions, not from you, that if he stays at Dortmund if we maybe sign one less midfielder we wait another year maybe we can save the money up and go in again not to sound like um, trying to persuade the young man to come to the club I th- I do think potentially I would have stayed at Dortmund for another year in his shoes I, th- I think I might have just to see how the landscape sort of goes I th- we kind of know that if Madrid come for you then yeah yeah it's fair if they do come in and you reject them they probably don't come back again because so. it's not even like the Barca one where you're playing for Barca like you play for Real Madrid and they also give you a boatload of cash get cash and you'll probably win stuff or something whereas Barca's a bit up in the air at the minute so yeah it's, it's also um, you can I find it sometimes when players join City and they're obviously not going to start and I kind of resent them and say would you not rather go and play somewhere rather than just be a part of something but at the same time I would look at Bellingham in this situation and say you're testing yourself against the best in the world in your position. Like that's a shark pool of uh, yeah. midfielders to try and get in and around. And it feels a weird comparison that I think two years ago we were praising Leicester for their squad building. And if they let one player go, they've that got the next well, one ready. Jesus. Real Madrid, when you've given Cruz and Modric their last deals and you've got Camavinga, Chiumeni, and Bellingham there <laughs> and Valverde the, the often forgotten man disgusting absolutely if I'm a club I say how much do you want for that uh, Valverde fella there. this summer and, and, never, and see and what they say get rid of that man elsewhere maybe I'm overstating it I thought it typified Salah that finish on Saturday the not Resting on his laurels feels like it was a foregone conclusion. But the first touch at that range not being enough and how alert he was and in close smashing it into the roof of the net, I thought there was a lot of players, a lot of good players that wouldn't have got that second touch on the ball. Sounds strange to say that, but nearly fucking it up also sums up Salah as well. <laughs> Is that you, you've done that and you still nearly missed, but you did score. Yeah, 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 probably true. Probably true. Tough game though, Brentford. Brentford at home easier than... Brentford away sometimes worse that they're not in their best patch of form 
yeah, it's always going to be a tough game. I, I did potentially foresee us dropping points. Um, Could have it made it. You made it look tough. Yeah, yeah, and again, each of these games we have done, we, you know, Forest, West Ham, this one, it, they've been really hard work to get results. Not so much leads. Yeah. <laughs> um, so again, I'm kind of resistant to the idea that that we're back, we're cooking, but. We were losing a draw in these games earlier in the season, so th- something's clicked at least. I thought you seemed to have less brain farts in this game. It seems to be a lot more sensible. It's trying to minimise how many of those we're going to have in a game, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I've spoke about it last week, so not the whole thing again, but it's one bizarre it took so long for Klopp to change the system and equally bizarre that he kind of had this system ready to to go to change at this point yes. of the season. It's, 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 the whole thing is very strange. I don't know if he kind of thought things were done, we'll save this for next season, and then saw United fucking up and was like, ah, maybe we'll try things a bit sooner. Or maybe he, something like used Arteta yeah. earlier, maybe he did think it's done and thought, right, I'll just give it a go yeah. now then. Maybe I've got a free hit at this. It, it's an odd thing for him in that it felt like he wasn't doing it out of stubbornness, out of being told he should do yeah. it. And now he's given in. You'd have expected it to go one way or the other. He would have changed it quite quickly yeah. or he would just never would have done this out of, even if he thought it was a good idea, just stubbornness. But the fact that he has, yeah, it is a bit odd. How much do you think that draw against us was a game changer? Like, do you think that reignited things, not the fact that you got a draw, but the way you got a draw, the fact that you came out of there with a sense of injustice that it should have been more. But then, actually, you made a lot. Did you lose the next game? Maybe I'm talking shit and you lost the next game. Fuck, did we lose the next game? That's a good question. Was it Bournemouth after? No, us? Bournemouth was after we beat, beat Man United 7-0. Then oh, we lost okay. 1-0 to Bournemouth. That was genuinely the dagger in the season. That was like, okay, <laughs> we're done. There's nothing here. Because it, if you get after the United one, it was like, right, going to steamroll to top four now. And then lost to Bournemouth and it was just, no, no, this team is, this is just what this team is. No, you smashed leads after us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are probably right. The the fight, I thought you kind of dragged something out of us as well. Where it was like, right, we actually we are playing, even if it's just for pride, we're going to do something here. Because you looked done after Chelsea. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. And it, and it looked like the players had given up on the season. So at least they've got that. It probably is just too little, too late, unfortunately, which is annoying. Um. What did you think about the defending for the Umbermo offside goal? I questioned it at the time. Of course, the fact Van Dijk steps up is the sign of the good defending with how it's worked. It's, I would imagine in your shoes, it's a lot less risky now because previously you were also trusting the officials to get it right with his offside traps. But I thought... After that, I thought he did just about everything wrong for Mbouma to be able to put it in the back of the net. He let him run across him. I don't know why Alisson came out in the way that he did for him to put it in the back of the net. All looked a bit desperate, didn't it? But, I mean, all for nothing in the end. But it just... But also smacks off, we weren't sure. Yeah. But often we'll do that and we'll just basically almost let them run in and score. On a, on a borderline one, you're like, yeah. I can't believe you're that confident. Whereas that, that kind of indicates he was not confident. I ask you a number of these questions every season and some of them age better than others. Oh, no. The worst, in fact, 
I think if I could go back and like delete our conversation about Ian Acho, then that would probably <laughs> be up there. Like, we all kind of agree that Tony could play in basically any side in this league outside of Man City. Mm. Where could Burmo play? Is he better than Richarlison? Uh, I prefer him to Richarlison. Maybe I would say that. He, uh, I think, I think Starways. He's great, direct, yeah. pacey. That's a really good left foot. Um, I'm so impressed every time I watch him. Yeah, literally every <laughs> every game, and you're going, is he just not doing this in the other games yeah. or something? Obviously, if he bumped up the numbers a little bit more, clubs would be looking at him. I, if for whatever reason, we're also not going to sign and sign no. a player. But if we did, or if you did, I don't know, Sacro Martinelli route for six months. Him going in a, a really good team that's creative, I do think would be a fun watch. Yeah. I think he's got something, yeah. Whereas, it's not to say that, like, Richardson does some things better than him, but I just think, as a fit, if you want to play him on either side of, like, a front three, yeah. and Buemos is perfect, whereas Richardson's a little bit, I think probably has to play through the middle and isn't going to do that at a top team, hence why he can't yeah. displace Kane. And the other side, with the attacking... Not Darwizzi's best game, but I thought some of the criticism was a bit <laughs> It's much. a little bit harsh. Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit much. It's all going to be on next season for him, isn't it? It's yeah, all going to be what he's got next year. He's going to have to have a big year. On match of the day, they said, you know, his first season at Benfica, he scored six. The next season, he scored 26. So... It'll go exactly the same then, I'm sure. How yeah. long, and I say this as someone that gets the same with uh, Jesus, he's just a bit more proven, I would guess. Do you get away with getting in the right positions because I feel he's probably got more time already than Timo did. It worked. We started laughing at Timo. It took a bit longer, whereas Darwin kind of got it out of the way early. So then after that, people were like, he's actually not that bad. Yes, yeah. And so I don't know how, how long till that returns. Because the, the one, the one that was a floated ball that Carragher was really giving him some stick for on commentary, I thought was actually a tougher one it's a tougher chance than he was suggesting, yeah. Yeah, it was. I guess uh, Bowen scores a similar one against us, but he takes it over the shoulder, where rather than it's kind of going across Darwin's yeah. path. Yeah, when I saw it back, I was like, "That's that's not as easy." And certainly, I don't know what you've seen from Darwin to say that's the one he's <laughs> going to score. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, I, I do think it's going to be next season. He's going to have pressure quite quickly, where it's. You can't just go, right, he needs time, he's a bit raw. They're going to go, you've got to start finishing these chances. Is is that ever going to happen with him being a rotation option, though? Does he not need to start the season as your guy? That's the other thing. You're going to have to commit to it. And I do think, I said to you off, but I think that Gakpo is so much more of a natural fit for what Klopp would normally want for that for the middle that you're going to have a situation we where... we think. Yeah, yeah. And I, where I think, Gakpo doing that role and Diaz and Salary either side of him I just think is too easy for Klopp to not to play I think he's that's just naturally got he, going to be what he wants to do and trying to force Darwin in either on the left or through the middle he has to score goals at a crazy rate other yeah. than that Klopp will go I'm not going to play you and then yeah he can never become that guy if he's not a starter so on Spotify um you can set like polls to go up with the episode. And when you did your one about uh, Gakpo right on the stroke in a new year, I put a poll up saying, will Gakpo be a good signing for Liverpool? Hmm. Someone voted on it this week. Or last week, sorry. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> They've gone and found the episode. That's a real hater. No. That is pure hater. Not a good sign in. As he hits some form and an old pod, he's come back to say no. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you think Liverpool will get top four now? Because we need City to drop points twice. If City drop points once, I'm not even going to allow myself to get excited. I wonder, hmm. we're about to speak about United, if you feel the same. I just think with that points gap, and I did look at their fixtures, they're my Newcastle. I looked at both their fixtures, and I just think, I think they'll get just enough points. The top we can get is 71 points. We, again, we have to win all our games, which does, which is <laughs> not a formality. We, again, just because we're getting the wins, it's not always convincing. Yeah, I just think left a little bit too much to do. And unless... United in particular, unless their heads do have just completely fallen off, um, then I don't, I don't see that we're going to do. Yeah, it. I guess Southampton should be relegated by the time you play them, but hmm. it's going to be their last Premier League game for a while. Maybe they'll want to go out swinging. The teams do that, don't they? They're relegated and they win on the last day, and their fans are like, "Why couldn't you have done that?" Yes, sooner. Leicester could be the interesting one. Villa, Emery wants European football, but hmm. is away. That's a tough game. Yeah, United looks about as easy as I. If you could design it, they've got four teams playing for nothing: Wolves, Bournemouth, Chelsea, Fulham. Yeah, none of them are playing for anything. So, as bad as they can look when they're bad, United. They, in fairness to them, and to Ten Hag, when they do have a shocker like they just had at West Ham, he does normally able to get a response in the next game or two. He can normally get something out of them. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go on to United. So another away defeat, another performance that really just got worse as the game went on. <laughs> another mistake by David De Gea. Mistake, I mean. Yeah, and another pretty abysmal performance by their forwards as well. I also think they'll still qualify for the Champions League. The thing that was pointed out by a journalist at the game yesterday, they tweeted out, the crucial detail was De Gea allowing Ben Rama's back pass of a shot into his net. Such was the collective dismay at the quality of Ben Rama's side foot from 20 yards. A groan in the stands at the London Stadium was audible just after the ball slipped beyond De Gea's outstretched hand. Yeah, but it fucking was. Oh, as, ba- as bad and unex- inexplicable. Again, I, I can't even call it a mistake. It's just horrendous goalkeeping. I've never seen someone of that level... I don't think letting a shot like that. As it went in, I went, ah! Like, yeah. what? <laughs> what like, even, even some of the ones that sort of you laugh at, like where it squirms underneath the keeper or whatever, it's, I can see how that happens. It's obviously very embarrassing for you, but I can see how it happens. I can't even explain this. No, e- ESPN said, uh, it's the kind of once-in-a-generation error that goes in the memory banks, except in De Gea's case, it's the second of its type this season. <laughs> From a similar range with the ball travelling roughly the same speed, De Gea allowed Josh De Silva's efforts to roll under his body against Brentford in August. That one was struck a bit harder, I think. Yeah, agreed. But still, not a great look. He's now made four mistakes leading to a goal in all competitions this season, the most of any goalkeeper playing in the Premier League alongside Hugo Lloris. According to Opta, his expected goals on target conceded in the Premier League is 38.45%. De Gea has conceded 41. <laughs> so really, you want your keeper to be overperforming yeah, the XG. Yeah. Otherwise, not much point in them being in the net if they're just letting everyone they should let in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, De Gea, yeah, he's even letting in the ones he shouldn't let in. Good Lord. Ten Hag came out afterwards and said, 
they still want to give him a new contract. He pointed out that De Gea is currently leading the Golden Glove race with 15 clean sheets. Don't forget that. A number of things I'd point out there. One, I'm half convinced there's a conspiracy among the top clubs that we're letting other teams score. So De Gea gets this and they keep him. (laughs) That's part of my conspiracy theory. Keep him and Larissa in situ at their clubs. The other one, and this is something that's only come into play really in the last five, seven years of, of football is we pay far more attention to things like the height of your defensive line, all of these things. When United is one of the lowest in the league, they're lower than several newly promoted sides. You're supposed to concede less goals. Yeah. That is part of how it works. Yes. Us, you, City, we all play with a higher defensive line. We all say that we're at risk of conceding more goals because we're prepared to try and score more goals, which is where Luke Shaw basically said in the week, yes, I made a terrible mistake by raising my arm like this. Yes, I should have done better. I shouldn't have put us in this situation. But yes, our striker should maybe be doing it that we <laughs> aren't me out. clinging on to a game in the closing moments every single time. And what Connor texted me during the game yesterday saying, I thought we played quite well until the goal. And I, I don't disagree by their standards, but hitting the post twice isn't the sign of you playing really well against West Ham. If you take our actual result against West Ham out of it, they can be got at. I know this was an evening game, so maybe you, you say things are slightly different. Maybe West Ham figured they could get it United from the jump more than they did against us. We basically gave them an in to say, come on, have a pop. But I don't know. I, I can't imagine this is the way Ten Hag wants to play football, which is then when I find it so strange he wants to keep the goalkeeper. There are certain things you can say, but he goes out of his way to say he wants to keep De Gea. That is odd. It's, it's very strange. I mean, it must have hit a low yesterday because uh, Connor was telling me he'd rather have um, your man in, in between the sticks, Dean Henderson. Jesus he's, Christ. He's since texted me a video. The Dean Henderson compilation. Yeah, he said, how can he have a fail comp so bad despite playing less than 30 games for us? He actually said, he's actually just played 13 games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, and the great thing for all of us, which I have to think plays into Ten Hag's thinking is, if they address the goalkeeping situation, it's less money for a midfielder, it's less money for a striker, it's less money for a fullback, which they're convinced they need. It's less money for a centre-back. They're going to have a wall chest loot. They've got the money to go around. So, Well, essentially, that that has been the thinking that has meant they haven't addressed the goalkeeping issue, hasn't it, each year? It's been like, well, no, we're going to spend our money here and here. And We said it before with them and Spurs. It's been like, yeah. well, look, we need to address the goalkeeper situation eventually, but we've got a couple of other things to do first. At some point, <laughs> you're kind of going to go with that. I think in both their cases, it, the time's now. Yeah, and unfortunately... The, the goalkeepers that were being looked at, they were looking at David Raya at the same stage that we were. Um, ultimately, he, he cost too much at the time. We were looking for him because Brentford were trying to come up and we had the alternative in Ramsdale. Yeah. United, uh, they're, they're always looking at... So the guy they want is like Diego Costa, who whose release clause was 80 million. They didn't trigger it and now it's gone up to surplus of 100 million. God. David Raya is still going to cost you the same. They're probably going to look at someone like Robert Sanchez who is out of the Brighton team for the same reasons yeah, yeah. that De Gea is wanting to be shifted from the United team. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's far tougher, I think, in almost any position. I can't remember like an unknown goalkeeper being plucked up. Mendy. <laughs> yeah, and even, even For he... For a spell. He, he did have a spell. Yeah, but yeah. even, even he was relative, like his name was out there. And mm-hmm. so Chelsea paid what? I'm probably going to overstate it. So 10 or 15 million, wasn't it? I thought it was close to... I had 20 in my head, even then. I was thinking that was cheap, to be fair. Um, I see them being linked... Chelsea being linked with, like, Mike Menion now. And it's like, how much are you going to be paying AC Milan? Because the Italian clubs always charge a fortune. And then when they want yours, they'll say, give you a fiver and this guy that we actually don't want. (laughs) It can be very interesting. Um, That's why they're probably going to stick with him. But the new contract, I know, is to get him off the wages he's on. But in the long term, you're still going to be paying him more because you're going to be stuck with the bloke. Maybe yeah. take this extra year. I think his contract expires this summer. He's not going to be paid a pittance either. Like he's going no. to take a wage decrease, but it's not. Yeah, so they're talking about re- reducing it to like 250. So that's He's on 375k a week at the moment. So he's just... From a ridiculous offensive wage to slightly less offensive. Yeah, the company he's in is like De Bruyne... And Haaland, and yeah. unfortunately for <laughs> him, they're actually delivering on... Uh, like, is any goalkeeper ever going to be worth that questionable? Certainly not this one. Well, no, but you look at the one in Liverpool and the one in Manchester ahead of him, if that's the way you're going yes. to do it. Um, wasn't just De Gea, though. We had the second Bruno stinker of the day. Still was whinging it. Everyone, captain Bruno Fernandes... Maguire must look at these mistakes, by the way, and say, how do, do fans still back him? And yet I get all of the flack. Different with a attacking player, isn't it? De Gea needs to... No, I mean... De Gea, oh, sorry. If De Gea, yeah. Still. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. De Gea, I guess, hasn't shushed anyone or put his fingers in his ears. <laughs> yeah. Um, Guy's mid run for his own back. Yeah. Anthony, I'm not seeing it. Christian Eriksen, I'm not seeing it. Rashford, two goals since February the 17th. Yep. Not seeing him put his fingers in his uh, to his head for a while. Again, we said with him, he's like, I need to see it over a longer period of time. He can hit these patches, but he can... Still, you know, I'm saying he's in team of the season. Yeah, that's going to be tough. For two months. It's going to be tough to make a case. Yeah. Is he in there for Martinelli? Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. I think um, he's had a great year, but he's not had a better year than Martinelli or Saka. No, and United don't score regularly. That is part of their issue that the goalkeeping areas are then magnified. Like a lot of the mistakes Allison makes, at least your attacker bailing him out before this season, maybe. He always does it at the worst time, Allison. <laughs> the last time you need him. Let's face it, Martial's a disgrace for them, isn't he? Well, they started a wet course yesterday, didn't they? I mean, he's just not good enough, no. is, is the thing. I, I think we all know the situation when Martial does start he's oh, this guy just I don't know whether he just hasn't got it anymore if he well, never had it if if I said doesn't seem to care if I said that, put his have about a little bit run around a bit if I said that we were asking Rob Holding to be Saliba United are asking Weghorst <laughs> to be Bruno or Ericsson while Bruno or Ericsson are actually on the field yeah yeah I can't think which pundit it was doing the game yesterday, but they remarked and said that they're not asking him to play as a false nine and link the play and flick the ball off. They're actually asking him to play as a 10. It's like, 
It, it is makes, bizarre. It makes no really sense. bizarre. Yeah. I saw Carragher pointing this out on Twitter because Gary Neville was blaming the Glazers again. Yeah. So, well, yeah. He's not, they're not playing Weghorst as a 10 and spend 90 million on Anthony. No. And then Neville did his know your, was it know your subject or something, James? Or something like that. So, the concern is, Gary, you might know it better than you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they look, it would be hilarious if all the chats I've heard about bottling and they dropped that oh, in the top four. Don't tease yourself. That that awful um, YouTuber, that rants guy that's like 50 years old and he posts things like, Arsenal, it's time for you to hold smoke. <laughs> he posted after the game yesterday, the Arsenal game. Thanks, Arsenal. You did Man United a favour on his watch along for the game. Oh God. <laughs> and then, yeah, they all assumed they were just going to bowl over oh. West Ham. And so did I, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Martial drew a save out of Fabianski in the 91st minute, then missed a free header from two yards out. Yeah. Which Bruno, of course, moaned <laughs> at him for. Yeah. Bruno <laughs> hit the deck. That, that Bruno shot, out of the stadium in stoppage time was hilarious. Disgraceful. Casemiro, by the way. <laughs> rubbish player he is. Rubbish. <laughs> it's like, we're not just, we can't rubbish only player. give you props when you break up the play. But in a third of the games you play, 16 bookings in his last 17 games. Fuck me. Jesus. This is a master of the dark arts. Yeah. Yes, I don't think it's unfair to say that um, after the halfway point of the season, he has not been anywhere near no. as good. I, I think he was really good in the first half. I thought it did look, yeah, this is the player they've signed at the top of his game still, not too old. You're going to get a few more years out of him still. And now he looks a little bit more like what Skeptics would have thought they were getting yeah. when he signed him for this chunk of money. Good uh, thing there's not four years left on his deal. Yeah. I I don't know. I guess you would back that he can get back to that because I don't look at him and go like physically he's massively in decline. The legs aren't going to get better though. But it won't. No, you are right. And at some point, it does become. It will become a sort of terminal problem. Think we'll get to a stage where you get like NFL or NBA contracts where they're weighted. And so we'll give you the security of being at a club later on, but you're not going to be making the same money in year five as you are. Yeah, quite surprised. There hasn't been more of a movement towards that. I think it's whether players would accept it. The players have got the power. It shows, shows you, doesn't it, I guess. Um, Basmati showed him levels. Declan Rice yesterday was... There was one point where he, he moved me on the touchline, <laughs> them, them quick feet. Yes, yeah. He's... um. In stark contrast, Casemiro, he's really kicked on the, the back end of the season. He's really kicked on. I thought first half, it kind of, much like West Ham, was a bit like, oh, what's going on here? There's nothing yeah, really Hedu's happening. going, calm, can you take them down but do it valiantly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do a Scott Parker. And then there was that whole, uh, 100 million pound for this guy. And now it's... The year left on his deal is going to be is going to be the yeah thing, but... But he's been the last West Ham few weeks, a couple of months. He's been just a joke. That's where stand out. I say it every season that the transfer window should end before the season begins. I hate that it doesn't. Just I want it. Oh, I enjoy it. 
I, I enjoy it that stresses chaos. me out too much. I really enjoy it. Um, I People guess forget it did happen that year and we didn't like it that much. Yeah, I did. You might, maybe. I guess I, you do then get maybe the United panic of they lose to Brentford and spend Yeah, exactly. There's and, nothing quite like that. Um, and we did it with Mertesaka, Arteta mm. and, uh, and so on. Yeah, I think there's going to be a thing where West Ham are going to go 100 million, then the team's going to go, but he's got one year left in his deal and it's going to go down and down and it's going to be a game of chicken as to whoever's buying him saying, you're not letting him go for free. Yeah. And then usually the player signs a new deal inexplicably, so (laughs) maybe that'll happen. United actually have the fifth best away record in the league, but only one of those away victories is coming against a top half side. Yeah, that's it. And that win was against Fulham with a last-minute winner from Garnacho just before the World Cup. Yeah, blimey. In the pouring rain, mm. Garnacho was saying, I'm that guy. I'm him. Yep. Big Sam mentioned earlier, last couple of bits here, he said, I'm 68, but there's nobody ahead of me in football terms, not Pep, not Klopp, not Arteta. Most disrespectful thing here. Every time I saw this quote shared, they'd cut Arteta out of the quote. <laughs> it said, I'm up there with Klopp and Pep. <laughs> like the Arteta shout wasn't controversial. Yeah. He was like, yeah, that's fine. Comes in, Melier. Do you do that when City's your first game? Yeah. <laughs> do you maybe save that, tuck that one away? Melier, the guy I think we've all been questioning. He's been under surveillance for a long time. Sure. I feel like part of the reason he was between the sticks is that Joel Robles was the backup. <laughs> yeah. Sam had him at Sunderland, I believe, brings him in for his first Premier League game in six years. Blimey. Guess didn't do much wrong would be uh, the thing they'd say. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, but certainly, certainly wasn't good. He said, we need to improve our performance by 5% before next week. It's too much to ask for more than that. Is that not the literal reason <laughs> he's brought in that 5% probably isn't enough? Yeah, I guess. But then maybe psychologically it's a good thing to do with the squad where you go, look, I'm not asking too much of you here. I just need a little yeah. bit more. And if, if each of them give that a little bit more, I guess he will back that he can get a result or two in these last few games. I'm not entirely sure that's that. true. I'm not sure I agree. Is this a bad season for Bamford or is this just how he is? Because he came into the league, Arsenal alone, well, Championship, Arsenal alone and Ketia there. The thing was, how the hell is Nketiah not starting over Patrick Bamford? Yes. We yeah. recall him. Bielsa sticks with him. He comes into the league. I think he scores... Upwards of 10 goals his first Premier League season. Must be in the lockdown season as well. So if it wasn't in the second season, he mm. kicks on. And yeah, yeah. We're kind of, he's pretty good. He's been linked with moves elsewhere. I think he's moved with, linked with a move back to Chelsea at one stage. Of course. Now it seems to, he seems to have returned to the player we assumed he was, probably while watching him less, to be fair. That's but, it, isn't it? When, it? when they came up, we thought, Look, if Bamford's going to be your main striker, then you're not staying up. He is not scoring the goals that no. Premier League have to keep you. And then he was really good. Looks an all-round better player than I think we thought as well. Not just the goals. And then he's kind of been somewhat curtailed by in- injury as well. And so it's become impossible to tell. Was, was the season when he got the goals, was that the freak year? And actually, this is what he is. 
was he that good, but the injuries have, yeah. have fucked him? It's hard to tell. Not that dissimilar, I guess, from the Calvert-Lewin one. Where you get, when you look at it, Calvert-Lewin's had one very good year. Yeah. And outside of that, has been shown to be a guy who can do almost everything you want for striker, but can't score that many goals, and now can't stay fit. Bamford's got the, the thing, can he stay fit? I would say with him, I'd be willing to give him more of a chance just because I do think he's got quality that I've never really seen with Calvert-Lewin, if I'm honest. I do think he's got something, but again, once the player starts getting some of the injuries he gets, he seems to get every injury, and that's normally a sign yeah. that, of bad luck. Yeah. Um, last thing for today. So Villa lost again at the weekend. Um, that's two games in a row now. Unai Emery said he understands the frustration of the fans' losses to Manchester United and at the Molyneux, but to kind of point out that given where the team was, that they were being spoken about as a relegation candidate, now they're trying to get a grip on a top seven place, which is a long way to come. Something that surprised me, a top half finish here, sorry, a top half finish is guaranteed for the first time in 12 years. For Villa? Yeah. Yeah, blimey. Villa need a minimum of two draws to record their highest Premier League points haul for 13 years. Jesus. Going back to those Martin O'Neill days. So, I was reading, they was saying from Villa, a Villa fan was saying, this is the most fun they've had since a Martin O'Neill, fun in the Premier League, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Since Martin O'Neill was there, Ollie Watkins breaking Villa goal scoring records, John McGinn back to his old self, Ashley Young showing that he's still got a bit of life left in them legs. Tyro Mings looks a footballer again. <laughs> Emmy Martinez being linked with a move to Spurs. Poor bloke. Oh, what a vile combination. Yeah, because that's not a man who can play with his feet either, <laughs> regardless of what Spurs fans uh, may try and think on the way in. I'm not sure we need to be playing against him. I was about to say, that'll go be a lovely game for you. Emmy Martinez in a Spurs shirt. But to be fair, every game he's played against us since going back to Villa, he's chucked one in. Too much for him. It's horrible that Jorginho goal is going to be for nothing. <laughs> Don't say it yet. Other than Don't second- rule it out yet. No, I want bring it to the last game and hope that I don't need Liverpool fans. Let me tell you, when they go two you don't down necessarily want that. And Liverpool fans go to see. I've not <laughs> forgot. I've not forgotten your antics on the final day. <laughs> I, I was at the Arsenal game. You know what you messaged. <laughs> you know what you messaged. I don't, I don't and think literally. It-, it doesn't matter. How many meltdowns happen in your season? How many Southamptons happen? Unless this exact scenario happens to you, that debt will never be repaid, okay? It will always be in my mind. I don't think it was unreasonable. My quest for a vengeance will never be <laughs> I don't fulfilled think until that was unre- At least you've won the league. You've won the Champions League. I'd say we're not even. <laughs> I don't think we're even. Yeah, we're not even. You're we're right. not even I'm, from 2008, I'm, and I didn't even know you then. I'm holding. I'm holding that. I don't think it was unreasonable to think with, what, 15 minutes left... You know what you did? That City weren't going to score. That they couldn't possibly pull that back. You knew exactly what you were doing. Um, Where was I? Unai was asked about his system now. Had he been found out? He said, I won't change my ideas, which... We know this. (laughs) The PTSD was in. And he says they just need to find a ruthless streak um, that served them so well in the previous... Against... Newcastle, they looked like insane. I said to you, mm. I'm not sure you want a game against no, these anytime no, soon. No, no. 
and I still think they are a problem for us. I think with him, it's sort of styles made fights, isn't it? I think. Yeah. And he he's going to be able to do that to some teams. It's just going to work perfectly. And Diego Carlos has just come back, the signing they made in the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said at the time that's going to be a rough signing, and I've not been able to see that yet. But I do think. I'm not sure he's any better than Mings. What was it? An ACL injury as well, yeah. was it? So someone who you thought was going to be a rough signing coming off an ACL injury for the last few games in the Prem, it's probably not going to be a positive thing. Yeah. Whenever I've seen him, he looks very rash. So yeah, yeah exactly. again, him and Mings, if put them together, that would be something. I, was thinking, I remember speaking to Harry because he was living in Newcastle a lot. And saying, yes, he was on there. And saying, yeah, I'm not sure this is the guy. Botman, consider him better. Um, yeah. Even if he did leave a nasty win on a Xhaka yesterday. Mm. Um, Unai seems a lot more comfortable in his press conferences now. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's, it's whether the Villa's just a better fit. Yeah, probably. I think it is. Just yeah. that scale of club is is probably about right. Where it's yeah. still a big club, but not ridiculous. But again, it's whoever followed Wenger probably was on a hiding to nothing as well. Yes. Yeah. So. And then finally, Aston Villa have opened up contract talks with uh, Ollie Watkins. Stick or twist if you're him? Stick. You're, can, he, think- can he do better than Villa? No. No, that's his ceiling, I think. If the DCL move doesn't go through. You could still get... Yeah, I I think this is him at his absolute best. I think if he can continue this, I'd be impressed. And I think that's that's a big club for, for his level. I think if he went somewhere else, he'd even get found out or just wouldn't get the game time. Whereas I'd say someone like, by contrast, I'd say if Tony did get a move, I do think he it could work for him. I think yeah. he's that good. Whereas Ollie Watkins is just a little bit below that, I think. I did say I thought Tony was going to be our guy after I'd given up on DCL. You work through strikers like I can't believe I can't keep up. I've with- still I've still got the uh, edit on my phone of uh, DCL in this in this kit. So it popped up on the memories and it was like we've come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that just about does us. Thank you for listening to another edition of the spitballing pod keep an eye out on your feeds this friday tk may just be there for movie madness we're getting into 1985's the breakfast club adios